You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. Sorry for the delay. Technical difficulties, as always. Guess I need to hire an electrician. But welcome to the show. Um, Today's episode, even though we started late, I'm sure uh, it had nothing to do with the equipment. It had everything to do with the operator. It was operator error all the way. And one of the things we were doing is I was uh, adding another feature uh, into the the actual program, and I didn't I didn't check my settings very well <laughs> when I was adding the feature in here. So um, that was a little little bit of a little bit of a problem because I didn't add the features in here very well. So, uh, hey Kevin, welcome to the show. Let me make this a little bigger here so everybody can see. All right, thanks Kevin for coming into the show tonight. So on our show tonight. Uh, for those that are that are vis- visiting with us tonight, um, it was also going to be sent out on our uh, Facebook page as well, but uh, still got to work those bugs out too. I don't like the synchronicity of the software and how it sends it out to all these different platforms. I'm a YouTube guy, so that's where we're going to try to keep it at YouTube. So uh, first things first, I want to thanks to all the listeners out there for joining us uh, for the show. Uh, we do this every Saturday evening. Uh, at 8 p.m., unless, of course, we run into uh, any problems. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? Thanks for coming. Um, so uh, to this point, you know, we we try to do it every week and have topics. And uh, last week, if you remember, we had a special guest on here about solid ground chords. And this week is a call-in show, so if you see anything that we're discussing, we're going to break it down into three different segments, and I'm just kind of talking industry, uh, certain things electrician-related. That way we can all join in and uh, call in if you want. Again, you see scrolling across the top of the screen, uh, it's the Skype number to call in or the phone number to call in when we get to the call-in portion, and you want to actually call in uh, with a um, uh, something you'd like to chime in on during the show. So um, now... Today's episode, we have got three different topics that we're going to talk about. And of course, uh, these can be touchy topics for people. Uh, you know, you might have some opinion on them, and I might say something that you agree with or disagree with, and that's perfectly fine. Everybody's entitled to their, their opinion on these. But we want to talk about them because they, they relate to the electrician and their topics that have been uh, sent to me to discuss by other people that follow the shows and things like that. So that's what we're going to talk about. So the first thing that we're going to talk about today uh, on our show is, should I keep learning? The question I get all the time from people is, you know, I've, I've worked real hard. You study to get your, your apprentice license, uh, your journeyman's license, and then you move on to become a master electrician. And I think too often people think that at that point they just stop their learning. They don't need to do anything else. Uh, they get their license and, and they're, you know, they're done. Uh, reality is we learn something new every single day. So when I tell somebody that uh, should they keep learning, absolutely. Whether or not you're learning something new for your job. For example, some people, I was doing a class today for an individual and we were going over plans. So I can't see it because of the light, but there's a set of blueprints here. So we were doing a little one-on-one in, in understanding blueprint reading. 
uh, and things like that. So, uh, you know, the topic, the first one here in the first part of the show here is very much dealing with should I keep learning? Um, so I always challenge myself to learn some new aspect of the code that might be uh, something that you just don't study a lot. And so I'm usually when I'm conveying it to master electricians, for example, and they ask themselves, look, I got my license, I'm done. I don't need to study anything else. So I get this a lot from people who get their license, the master's license more particularly, and they say they're done, that they don't need to do any more studying. If they're done, they're going to start, now they're going to focus on their business and start focusing on uh, building their business, but then they forget to keep learning. And one of the aspects of it is dealing with what I deal with mostly is the National Electrical Code. So people will do the National Electrical Code just enough to get that license. And then once they get that license, they really think that there's nothing else they need to, to study for or they don't need to continually study uh, in that aspect of it. And that's, that is not true. You need to continue to study the National Electrical Code because it does a lot of things. And, of course, you can do other things like today, me studying with that gentleman on, on how to read blueprints. Um, all those type of things you progressively continue to, to keep putting little things in. So when people ask, you know, should I keep learning? Absolutely. Uh, I learn something new every single day, and you should too, or you should at least strive to learn something new every day. And so uh, if you're not real proficient with, I know back when I was uh, earlier days in the apprenticeships um, that I would actually go out and buy sticks of, of EMT and I would sit there and practice my saddle bends and, and, and 90s and offsets and, uh, and never stopped learning the concept of doing those things uh, in, in, in bending, tubing, uh, you know, always learning. So it doesn't mean just the code. I mean, there's other things you can learn, especially within the realm of the job you do. Learn somebody else's job, okay? Somebody else's task. For example, if I'm going to do something, I want to learn something that somebody else is doing, and it helps me me learn something. Um, what do we got here? Oops, sorry about that. Lightning, electric, I moved your comment off the board here. Just a second. I'm, I'm adding some new stuff in here, so... Um, I mean, it's imperative to keep learning because the NEC is in depth and remember is a lot to, is a lot to remember, uh, and there's always devices coming out. A- absolutely, always something new is coming out that we want to learn. And product products are ever changing, right? We're constantly changing. New products are coming out on the market, and so that's a that's an element of learning. Let me move me here. That's a that's an element of where we're always trying to learn something new when it comes to the product details. And things like that. So, yes, the NEC is a vast document. For example, I do happen to have my NEC because we were working on something today. You know, and here is, you know, my NEC. And this is the 2020 NEC, obviously. Uh, And ironically enough, I just got a notice, I guess it was, I don't know, it was Friday, I think, that from the NFPA letting us know when we're going to start on the 2023 already. So we've already, many people have sent in public inputs. I have, and I've sent in quite a few of them. Sure, others have as well. Uh, so uh, that's a whole nother learning curve is understanding the submittal process, public input, public comment, the meeting, various meetings we have to go to and things like that. So you should always keep, keep,
keep learning. Now, I make it a, a point when I'm a journeyman to learn something new every day. That was one of my goals. I was going to learn something new every day. So I paid attention to the people that were around me, uh, the masters that were around me. I worked a lot with my brother, who was a master electrician. Uh, you know, So when I became one uh, many years ago, over 30 years ago, I had the luxury of working with somebody who was very creative. I mean, he was what I like to think of as the uh, MacGyver of electrical. He could, he could, you know, not always good about making things work code-wise, but I mean, because, you know, you don't want to just make stuff work. But he had a way that he could do certain things, and, 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 and it just was, I learned from that. So I had one of those learning, engaging experiences. But as a master, when I had my company, um, I always made it an effort to try to teach something to my helpers. Always wanting to teach something because you should always keep keep learning in in this trade. Um, I challenge yourself just because you have a license, uh, and I do. I help a lot of people pass exams. Well, my goal and my hope is that when they pass an exam, that that's not it. That they keep the code book and and move on to the next level. And that's kind of why if people ask me. That's kind of why I created the CMECP program through the corporation, which is, if you're not familiar with that, it's a certified master electrical code professional program. And all it was, was that once somebody got their license as a master and you, you have to be a master to qualify, what else was there? I mean, where do you go from here? And so that's when I created that program. And it took about over two years to create. And then finally, ultimately, I get all my trademarks for it and everything for the program. And, and, uh, uh, we have a board of directors, and we have a review board, and it's it's a process to take people to the next level. You just we want you to to, to not necessarily bury your head in the code, but we want you to keep learning the code because at the end of the day, the code is a minimum safety standard, but it literally keeps you out of trouble in a lot of cases uh, if you follow it and you understand it a little bit better. Okay, so. Uh, that's kind of our thing when it comes to learning. It's, you constantly keep keep learning, keep moving forward, and there shouldn't uh, you know be anything that you don't want to learn. I mean, I always say to this to people too: um, How are you? How proficient are you with motors? If you're not real proficient with motors in Article Four Thirty, then that's a learning moment. It's not so much 100% code. It's Obviously, learning Article 430, but all the nuances in there that really keep you on top of if you get, a, you know, maybe you never do a motor project. And you might not, but it keeps you knowledgeable about it. So there's a lot of people out there that are uh, very knowledgeable in the code. They understand the concepts of an installation, but they might not have put their hands on it. And they might have never actually done an install for that type of thing that you're trying to learn. And that's Okay. That's okay because we all, if you're an electrician or you're learning, you all know how to run raceways, you all know how to run uh, cables, you know how to make terminations, you know how to make all the basic things. If you learn the code and if you ever get involved in it, it's it's not difficult to hook raceways to enclosures and, and make sure you get the right fittings and all that that's for that type of wiring method. That part's pretty simple. It's the subtle things that come to the code that we won't do right, and it could cause us to have a failed inspection, or worse, it could cause somebody to get hurt, and that type of thing. So those are the kind of things that we want to think about that are always striving to learn more every day. Now, I will have mentioned that at any time during this segment, 
If you'd like to call in, the number is at the top of the screen, 214-945-0653. Feel free to call in, and I will connect you with the actual uh, into the show. So uh, feel free to do that if you want. Um, Other than that, uh, I'm trying to see here real quick. I noticed that we... Now, this this forecast, is this is basically based on the actual podcast. Uh, and so I noticed that it looks like the stream is not working for the video. So obviously it's either not working or we or we dropped off uh, or something. But the stream is working on the actual uh, YouTube channel. It's just not working on our website. So again, I thought I'd got it right. But again, I copied and pasted something a little different and ended up screwing up the the whole the whole thing. So <laughs> I apologize for that. Those that are watching over on the video, um, I didn't realize that I totally screwed up the stream when it comes to the actual website. My bad. Uh, let's see here. All right, so the next topic, and if anybody wants to call in, feel free to call in at, at any given time. I'm more than happy to have you call into the show, and we can have a discussion on any topic that we're talking about during the show. And, of course, it isn't without any any glitches, because obviously I've got a glitch that I wasn't aware of that I am aware of now. So, so hopefully, you know, we... Uh, Get that all. I'll get all that sorted out in the short term. Um, let's see here. The next thing that we want to have on our agenda is we want to talk about quit or get fired. That's the next. That's the next one we're talking about. Is so, oh yep, so. there it goes. So it is working on the regular stream. It's just not working on the website. Um, and I will figure out why that's not streaming to the website and and get it updated. Um, but again, that's just keep, keep your learning. Kevin, what do you say here? Kevin, I would like to hear your thoughts on the use of ideal, uh, insure or Wego wire, a Wego wire connectors. Um, you know what, to be honest with you, Kevin, they're listed. And if they're listed for use, I don't have any problem with them. I mean, there's people that have their opinion that they're like backstabbing. They're an accident waiting to happen. Uh, be honest with you, most of the devices that and, and most of the connectors and all that get it tested and evaluated, and they have to go through rigorous testing in order to get a UL. Now, working for a company like I do, I know the intensity of UL testing or another third-party testing, and they go through quite a bit of testing. I know that, that some people will post online or post at other locations that, you know, that, that, that something happened or something burnt something up or whatnot. It was due to the connector. Um, You know, I think it's, you could say that about anything. There's always going to be something wrong with something. Uh, The same way I hear people talk about tool manufacturers. It's kind of funny to go to Instagram and hear people talk about how they hate this tool, hate that tool. This tool is junk. And, and of course, I experience when I work with one of the tools, I'm like, it's not that bad. I can make it work. I I don't understand. So, when it comes to fires, again, it could be other things. It, I don't necessarily think it's the bad, you know, you know, the still the application. Uh, Mike Sparky, I am still live. 
Uh, we had an issue with the start, but I am still on here, and I am still live. It's not a recording. So there might be a delay, but it's uh, I am still live here. Uh, so that's my opinion, Kevin, on the Wagyu wire connectors. Uh, Wagyu, whatever, Wago, whatever, however they call them. I don't have any problem with them. If they've been evaluated, I, I have no, no issues with them at all. Um, again, feel free, folks, if you want to call in, the number is at the top of the screen using Skype, or you can use the phone number, and feel free to call in. Yes, we are live, uh, and we had a little bit of an issue with the start, but we are we are rolling now for the live session. Uh, no special guests this week. Again, just topic-driven. The next topic that we have to talk about, again, is, is quit or get fired. What is that all about? So when somebody comes to me, or some of the worst things I've ever had to do is fire uh, an employee, um, and I've done it, uh, had to do it. Um, but there's nothing worse than an employee that causes uh, a rift between your entire team. Uh, and they might be doing it for purpose. You know, they're, they're upset, they're going to quit anyway, and they just want to make it bad for everybody on the team, you as the owner or you as the head contractor or whatever it is and so they want to create some some bad blood there so when i talk to electricians and we we go quit or get fired what i mean is let's say i work for electrical contractor and he's not okay um not taking care of me i'm not i'm not getting raises or i'm not getting promotions or i'm not getting you know uh what I feel is a certain amount of, of uh, I guess, respect or whatever it is as, a, as, as an electrician on the job. Um, I always tell people, one, you never quit until you have something else lined up, right? I mean, again, you, you, know, you got you to gotta feed your family, and being out of work certainly doesn't feed the family. So there's a big difference. If you, if you quit and you don't have something lined up, then you're hurting everybody. Okay, everybody involved. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you never run into a situa- situation where you can where you have to quit. But you know what? There's a, two different things because I've had people ask me, "Well, I'm just going to cause a ruckus. Uh, I'm unhappy because I didn't get what I wanted, so I'm going to get fired." Well, the only problem with that is one, you have just burned a reference for a future job unless you already had one. Because I can tell you right now, while the the laws are now restricted on what you can say about a former employee. I can say that most of the time when I talk to people, business owners, and they're interviewing people, they'll ask me, Paul, what would you ask if you had to watch what you're going to ask? And what I would ask is, point blank, I'd say, um, would you hire them again? Right? I mean, that's what I would say. I'd say, so would you, would you hire them again? That type of thing. And if their answer is... No, I wouldn't hire them again. Okay, well, if that's if that's your answer, if that's is that that's what they say, then you know that's a problem. Okay, right off the bat, I know there's a problem. They would not hire them again, uh, and so you know, what's the odds that I want to work with? You know, that I want to hire somebody if the person they just worked for said they wouldn't hire them again. Right. So if you run the risk of pushing the envelope to the point where you get fired, that's that's a problem because you've now just tainted everything 
involved in, in the job that you can use for the future job. Now, if you already have a job lined up, again, and this, this is a small world in the electrician world around the area where you work, your name can travel fairly quickly. So uh, if, you want, if you're going to get fired, um, it's going to go with you everywhere. And one day you might be the owner of a company, and I don't think you want one of your employees tainting it like that and causing problems. So my advice is simply uh, quit. Um, I would not push the envelope to the point where you get fired. Um, I've been watching a lot of uh, videos lately and podcasts lately, um, you know, in People, I see job sites where the people are cussing like sailors out loud, causing trouble in front of uh, owners. Uh, maybe I'm the contractor, and uh, you know, and I've got the, I've got my guys on a site. Yet I've got the owners that are coming out all the time, and there could be a problem with them really throwing a fit, shooting, throwing wire nuts around, just acting like a fool. And you know, it's just not the place for it. And of course, they're they're. They're begging to be fired, and that's not going to work out real well for them. But you as an electrician think, I've got two choices. I can quit and go to another job. Hopefully you have one lined up. Uh, or you can, uh, I, won't rec- I don't recommend you go to the point where you get fired. Okay, It's a difference between getting laid off uh, for some reasons, you know, maybe not enough work, or your, your work is subpar to whatever the owner thinks it should be. All right, but when I say get fired, I don't mean go out there and causing a lot of trouble between all of the employees that you ultimately get fired. Uh, that's not really the way to go with it. Always make sure you have something lined up ahead of time. Um, Mike, I'm not sure what you mean. What's that old? Um, I'm not. I'm not really sure. You're gonna have to clarify what you mean by what what you mean by that because I'm not a hundred percent sure what that means. Uh, so. Um, so if you have any, any comments on that about getting fired or run into a situation where you've had to fire somebody or you've been fired, or if you've had to make a decision to quit, uh, having to make that decision and things like that, you know, please go on and and reach out to us, go on and call in. There's the, there's the phone number or the ticker up there. If you want to use Skype to reach out to us, uh, and we'll get you on, get you on the show and you can chime in and. You know, give some of your uh, opinions on these topics. And again, if you got another topic you want to talk about, you know, feel free to, to chime in. Ask it in our chat. It'll pop up on the screen, and you can see what it is. Um, all those type of things uh, we're more than willing to talk about during the show uh, to help you out. Um, so again, uh, quitting. My advice to an electrician is to always have a contingency plan. To quit, okay. I mean, and right now work is at its premium. It means that I could probably go get a job uh, at any electrical firm. If you leave one, you can probably go to another, and it's not going to be you know a big deal to find you know get another job. It's not going to be that big of a deal. But are you ready to do that? And do you want to do that on your own terms and quit? Right. Some things you need to, to think about. Let's see here. Uh, Lightning Electric says, I have, uh, I have a lot of determination and drive to grow my electrical contracting company. I have been in the business for at least a year and have installers that know electric 
However, I am uh, I am handling all the business. And I got cut off from there, so it must have been a limit for you there, uh, Lightning. So you're, it sounds like you're handling everything. Uh, the last thing that you need is to have somebody uh, want to get fired by simply, you know, doing stuff on the site or pushing the envelope because they're unhappy with their situation, okay? So you handle all the business aspects, and it can be overwhelming. Do you recommend a consulting firm? Uh, when you say consulting firm or when you say recommend a consulting firm, um, I'm not exactly 100% sure in what you mean as far as a consulting firm. Um, uh, you know, as you get, it, but the amount of money that you're going to pay out to a consulting firm, you might be able to hire somebody in-house to help you out with that, depending on, you know, what level is overwhelming to you. What do you feel is overwhelming? Is the bidding process? I just did a podcast on on bidding, and we're going to have a a guest on. Uh, hopefully, we get that worked out. That's going to talk about bidding and, and things like that, um, and uh, estimating. Uh, but record keeping, um, it's not if you can afford it, and you're growing your business, and you want to devote your time to the work aspect of it. Um, an accountant, uh, finding an accountant firm that will actually do it, and you just you know, give them the information and they keep track of so it makes taxes easier and things like that. That's not a bad way to go. Now, I've always always did my own up until the last three or four years of my electrical contracting business. And it was so busy because I was doing the electrical and I was doing consulting myself and I was working and traveling all over the place teaching. And so I couldn't keep 100% eye on the guys all the time. So, and that was the case things got out of control and I couldn't keep my my focus on what was important and that was the uh, con- the, the actual electricians and, and us getting the work done. That's what paid the bills. So the last couple of years, I did hire out for uh, an accountant to, to do our taxes and everything as we were you know going through it. Uh, today with the QuickBooks and, and all the other stuff, it's, you know, um, I'm lucky that my wife always was involved in the businesses together. Uh, so she handled a lot of that stuff. So, Lightning, when we talk about consulting, um, what areas of the business do you feel are overwhelming that you feel like you need a consultant for? Obviously, you've got control of the electrical part. Um, what part? It, it can get overwhelming, uh, but uh, you, have your, you, you have your insurances. You establish that. You have your, your accounting. Uh, do you do your own bidding, things like that. All of that type of stuff. Now, there is bidding firms that you can hire to do things. Uh, let's see here. It says the bidding process. Yes, again, I handle material, bidding, payroll, meeting the contracts. Uh, I currently 1099 that I am handling as we speak. I need a mentor or management assistant. Well, that might be that you just, you know, you don't have familiarity with a lot of these different elements. Uh, and so... Hey, yeah, I guess that's yeah. How you doing? Welcome to the stream. Um, sorry we were started late. Uh, I had a little technical difficulties, not with any of the equipment, but with user error, trying to simultaneously stream to Facebook, and it didn't work out real well for me. Uh, neither did the Twitch thing. So um, still a work in progress. We're going to stick with the old YouTube as well until we figure that out. So, okay. Um, uh Hey, Brian, welcome to the stream. 
Um, so, yeah, Lightning, I, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, it's nothing worse that's going to drag down your business is when you feel you can't put your focus in your business. That's going to drag you down. Um, so it sounds to me like you need an office manager. If you're big enough that you could afford an office manager, it might be just about somebody that you would hire in and not overly pay them and to, you know, maybe even a student, um, a college student or, or put it out for part time. Maybe part time they only come in and help the, the accounting part of it, the payroll part of it, uh, those type of things to help ease some of that burden. Um, because I'll be honest with you, some of the consulting firms are quite expensive to do that. Mike says, uh, speaking of 1099, I noticed that it is a big, uh, big, big thing in Texas. Would you elaborate on it if you know about it? Seems every company in general wants to hire you as 1099. Well, Mike, what basically in Texas, the master electrician has to be on record for a company. The owner doesn't necessarily have to be licensed, but the master on record does. And so a lot of times the companies will actually contract the work, but they'll, they'll subcontract out. It's kind of interesting. I did a podcast today on subcontracting, but they'll actually subcontract out the work uh, to another group. And you have to be careful with subcontracting because they're a reflection of you, but you do. And you 1099 those individuals and they'll come to you and, and you directly uh, pay them, but you're the one getting the contract they're the ones that are helping you fulfill it. And so you 1099 them. And then, of course, you 1099 them. They're going to be accountable for the taxes and everything else as well, provided they pay them uh, and things like that for their part of it. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, that's about the best I do it. I, I don't 1099, uh, but there are people that will 1099 out their work. Uh, and a lot of times people will do that in a subcontractor level, Whereas they have they have something that they're bringing on that they don't have a lot of experience in, and they'll hire somebody out to do that. They'll ten ninety nine them, uh, or if they get a big project, then you'll get some lower, cheaper labor, and you'll bring them on, and you're ten ninety nine. The problem in Texas is it does it works hard for electricians because you have to literally have a license to be an apprentice, a journeyman, a master, a residential wireman. So every class. Uh, in Texas has to have some kind of license. So it makes it harder in Texas to 1099. But, for example, I could uh, tent my, my company, uh, Abernathy Electrical Services, for example, I could, tend, I could take on a project right now because I'm an electrical contractor in Texas, and I get a house, and I don't want to do the house. I'm going to charge it. I know what it's going to cost me, but I'll 1099 it to you, and you wire it for me. Let me know when you're done. Everything's good. I might even pull the permits and 1099 it, I pay you and you get done, and then I end up getting my money from the actual general contractor uh, or owner, and I've 1099ed you it, okay? So, and then, of course, basically 1099 is showing record uh, of payment so that they can actually tax-wise know that you've made payment, and so I'm going to record that on my taxes that I discharged to 1099, and then you're going to have to claim that as well on yours, Okay. It holds everybody accountable. But again, it's to be able to subcontract out certain parts of work uh, that you maybe won't do. I don't know if that explains it for you, but it is, it is big in Texas, but it's usually from licensed company to licensed company. Uh, because again, electricians, it's tough in Texas. You got to have a license for everything. 
do you have any estimating firms you recommend? <sighs> you know, I, I, I don't. Um, I do all of my, I've always done my own estimating. I always spent the time learning the software, estimating software. Actually, that was a part of the business that I enjoyed. Now, there is, there are companies that will do this for you. Uh, there's a gentleman who's probably as good as any of them. It's, uh, he does the, has a software called uh, Best Bid Hybrid Pro. And you can search that on the internet, Best Bid Hybrid Pro, uh, estimating software. And I think he does subcontract work that will do estimating for you. Uh, but there's probably local companies that will do that for you in your area. You just need to search them out a little bit. There are nationwide chains. The only problem is if you get a big firm to do your estimating for you, they're out of touch with your local sense. In other words, the pricing and whatever the, the labor units might be in your local area. So it's always important uh, to do it do it local. And I, I will say that I, I hated, you're welcome, Mike, I hated bidding. I'm not going to lie to you, uh, Lightning Electric. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I hated the bidding, and I got a podcast. You need to go listen to that podcast on uh, estimating and bidding, My kind of my top 10 or 11 things to keep in mind about uh, bidding. The, it wasn't the doing it that I hated because I enjoyed that. I love the software. It was, uh, it was really had to do with the fact that um, you never knew whether or not you left money on the table. And when I was a younger uh, a contractor, I was afraid to ask. If I didn't get a bid, I was afraid to ask the, the general contractor, even if I wasn't awarded the bid. And those times have changed. Uh, one of my advices now is if you're bidding, in order to get better at bidding, is make sure that if you don't win the bid, that you try to ask the contractor that you put the price into, where did you stack up? So that you can learn whether or not you're too high or you're too low. Or what was it about you that they, they did? I want to learn. And make it a learning experience. That's the kind of be very honest with them and say, please tell me. I'm, try, I'm young, new in this business. I'm really trying to get better. And you'd be surprised what they'll open up and tell you. They really will. Um, so um, I didn't really ever use anybody. But there are plenty of local. But I would do local. If you're going to get somebody to do estimate for you, get somebody local that knows the market. Another thing you might think about is finding a, a friend or a person you know that's an electrician who wants to do a little side work, a little side money, uh, and it's not a competing side like doing electrical work, is ask them if they be willing to do some bidding for you. Uh, for a matter of fact, and I even hesitate to say this, I have done some bidding for people uh, through our company, Electrical Code Academy. I, I'm not a bidding company, so don't contact me, but... Um, it was really, once the software is set up, it was really easy to do uh, and do that. But, I mean, I, that's the best advice I can give you, Lightning. Um, granted, if you are a large enough company, I'd do it all in-house. If you're at that medium where you're making good money, but you're finding that it's taking a lot of your time to do these things, then you might think of hiring somebody and uh, sending them to a school to learn to do estimating. Uh, we're going to have a guest on here, hopefully in a couple weeks, is that's what they do. Uh, they teach estimating and they can probably you can send somebody to them or you can train somebody to do the estimating that type of thing um uh, but there are national firms that will do it for you and they'll kind of look at the market and give you a price and uh some of them are per contract so try them one time and see what it was like uh but i've not a lot of experience with hiring out to people uh the best software that i've ever used well back in the day brian i used to use conest but I will say this, 
personally, and this is just me, and when my expert comes on, he might say otherwise, but personally, me, the best that I've dealt with is probably the best bid hybrid pro. Now, you used to be able to buy that from my site, so you might say, well, he has an interest in it. Uh, I don't do that anymore because I, I wanted to be able to give an honest opinion of it, but they've got some of the most advanced software I've ever seen, and it's most affordable. Uh, it's the Best Bid Hybrid Pro, exactly how it sounds, just type Best Bid Hybrid Pro, uh, and tell them you heard it from me, Paul Abernathy, and he might give you a break on the program, okay, but uh, uh, it's probably the best. And the neat thing about it is it's the way it does a takeoff. You can literally take a picture of the blueprint, uh, and it could be just a JPEG or whatever it is, and load it into the system, and you can look at it on the screen, and you literally can do the takeoff from that picture. Of course, you could scan in the blueprint, but you can draw, and you get a... It's just amazing what it does. And I've done some demos on that, uh, and I've since pulled them down because, again, I'm not affiliated with it, and I didn't want to give that message uh, because I wanted to give an honest review of it. But I've, I've, and they're all good. There's, there's, there's other programs out there, but I, for a cost wise, uh, it's hard to beat the best bid hybrid pro. It's, it's hard to beat it. Now there's other ones out there and I'm sure when we have our guest speaker that comes on, he'll have his recommendations, uh, for the type that he used as well. Okay. Hopefully that answered your question, uh, with that. Okay. So, uh, again, anybody's free to call in. We have the phone, everything queued up. If you'd like to call in and be a part of the show, feel free to do that using Skype, Master the NEC, or you see the phone number on the screen, feel free to call in. I'll patch you in, and we can have a conversation uh, about anything that you want. Um, So let's see here. Paul, all the stickers. Yes, yes, yes. Don't forget we're going to have an an announcement here in the middle of the show, not to say when, and we're going to talk about the stickers. Uh, in getting your sticker uh, and the choice of whether you want a master, a journeyman, the code mafia, or you want the um, wizardry stickers. Okay, we'll have that in, in here shortly. I will tell you about that. So hang in tight for that. Uh, Lightning, for helping me, I passed my mass exam last year with Paul's YouTube videos. Uh, with no calculator. Ah, there you go. You watched enough of the videos that the it was just in the brain. And and yeah, uh, sometimes there's some of the things when you think about it, you might not even need a calculator. But make sure you have one. Just just so you're saying, Lightning. Make sure you take a calculator in there. Just make sure it's not one of those ones where you can actually uh, store stuff in it because they won't allow that. Just a regular one. You can't use your phone calculator. Okay, but uh, all of that good stuff. So um, just make sure that you. Uh, uh, go in there prepared. So congratulations to you. Uh, so you're right into the business. So, hey, you know what, Lightning? If, if you're already thinking about you're overwhelmed with the, the bidding and everything like that, and you're this early into it as, you know, getting that license, that master's license, then that, you're, you're doing things right. You know, don't, don't stress it too much. You know, enjoy it, okay? Because, it, you know, as it grows, you'll you'll understand that you have to, potentially hire additional uh, people, maybe somebody to do bidding, uh, then that's all they do. If you get that much business, then, you know, then then it's worth hiring somebody, that type of thing. Oh, Maryland. No calculator in Maryland. Wow. That's scary. So, 
Hey, well, here's my thing. If Maryland lets you do it, it must be pretty straightforward math. If they don't let because there's no daggone way they're going to let me do square roots and all this kind of stuff, uh, I would be complaining to that state administrator in a heartbeat with a formal letter. So, but, uh, yeah, some states are, are, are funky like that. I was just in Maryland, by the way. I was just in Maryland at, um, I can't remember where it was, um, just real, right close to, to D.C. It was just over the line, uh, and I was there teaching a class to a bunch of engineers. Uh, God, it was just two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, I was there teaching a code class and a product class to an engineering group there. Um, also, in Maryland, we have a, a CMECP, Marty Schumacher, who's actually in Maryland, and Marty does a wonderful job teaching people, uh, and he's a CMECP as well. Uh, and he's also in, in a previous uh, Mike Holt um, uh, Top Gun, and I was also back in the day, back years ago. So we're going to talk stickers, Mike. We're going to talk stickers. Calm down. Calm, relax. Okay. So that, that, so let's go on to our next topic so we can at least stay on schedule. Again, if anybody wants to call, feel free to call in. There's a number at the top of the screen. And there's the Skype at the top of the screen if you want to call in as well. I had the system all queued up in case you want to call in. Uh, and we're going to get the stickers here in just a second. Now, the last topic is kind of we talked about quitting and getting fired. And we talked about should I keep learning? And you should always keep learning, not just when you get your master's. Keep on learning. Uh, the next topic that we want to talk about is leaders and followers. Obviously, leaders or followers, we need both. It's pretty clear to me that uh, you folks here are, are leaders. You're moving forward. You're involved. Uh, we need followers too, which is typically our helpers, uh, our journeymen that are following us. But occasionally, you get this journeyman on your site that will act like a leader. And you need to identify that leader early on because that can be very, very beneficial in influencing other people on the job site. So a good owner or a good master electrician is always looking out for individuals that have leadership qualities. Now, we all can't be a leader. Uh, we need our followers. Followers get things done. Um, and so, But a good leader is a, is a leader who actually leads by example and not just barks orders, but actually can practice what they preach. And that was always one thing about my job sites, that when I was out there, I would never tell one of my guys to do something that I wasn't willing to do. Okay, something that I wasn't willing to put my hands on and do it. So, um, and and in my day, I have experience in residential, commercial, light commercial, and industrial motor control work. Very little motor control work. Uh, I did a lot of motor applications, but you know that that kind of thing that I dealt with. But I made it a point to always teach something to somebody that was around me. Uh, and so when I moved on to become an inspector and then as a supervisor and then as an engineer, too, for the city of Richmond and then code supervisor for the uh, city of Alexandria, Virginia, which is back in, in, in Virginia, um, I always made it an effort to teach somebody. And I always used to look around because I was always in a supervisory role, and you might be as well, as I'm always looking around for people to help me when it comes to getting the message across, Okay. And the people that I'm looking for are the people that are engaged. And there's always a leader in the bunch, okay? 
even if you have a bunch of journeyman electricians, if you look at it, there's always a leader in the bunch. And yes, we need leaders and followers, but we definitely want to be able to find who that leader is and cultivate that leadership skill. And it'll stick out on the job, trust me. Okay. Now, if I have a helper, even a helper can demonstrate leadership qualities. Okay. They might be a follower by day and a leader by night. So I need to take the opportunity to cultivate that. So what do I mean? Well, a good master electrician, a good journeyman electrician that has leadership qualities will test that leadership quality on other people and try to bring up the leadership qualities of those individuals. Now, for example, I had uh, helpers that I saw a tendency to be a leader, and I would give them tasks where they were in charge of certain certain things because I'm testing their leadership skills because you know what? I might have a situation where I have to be a way to do something, and I need somebody to step up as a leader, and that's what we're always looking for. God knows we need followers as well to make the world go around, but we also need to be able to identify leaders. And in your company, the quicker that you can identify a leader is the best ally you're going to have in the company, and you take care of that leader. That brought us back to the topic of quit and get fired. If you're going to quit, you're quitting because the owner or the foreman or somebody is not taking care of you, and you're really putting a sincere effort in there. If you're going to quit, make sure you have another job lined up. I will never put my family at risk by quitting a job without having something lined up. But I never go into the mentality of, am I going to get fired? Okay. There's some people that literally, I've watched a couple YouTube videos lately and watched some podcast stuff as I was preparing for this. And I literally saw electricians just acting like fools. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, oh, you must be wanting to get fired. And then you end up uploading it to YouTube or Instagram or whatever so the whole world could see how much of a fool you're acting. If I'm the owner, I'm looking at that going, you're gone. I mean, it just it reflects badly. Okay, And I guess some, some people will say I'm just an old fart and I'm old fuddy-duddy. And I have heard that lately, uh, that I'm just an old fart fuddy-duddy that uh, says, no, we're just having a good time on a job site or just playing around. Well, first of all, that's where you get hurt. Secondly, I'm paying you. If you want to play around as an owner, then you're probably not going to be in business very long. And if your people are playing around and not being productive, probably still not going to be alone. Still okay to enjoy your job, but you got to be extremely, extremely careful uh, with what you do on a job site. But always look for those leaders. Cultivate those leaders. It's important that you find the leaders out there at all. Find them, find them, find them. Absolutely, Kevin. Zero tolerance. That's when people get hurt. All you've got to do is go to Instagram and look at some of the stuff that I see on there electricians doing and they're, they're posting and they're doing and I look at it and go, I'll give you a little hint for me. And I'm not saying this is a broad thing, but if they're spending more time on their phone, more time texting, more time watching different things. Now, I'm okay if their phone is playing electrician live podcast or something everybody's listening or because we play radios on job sites and all but if they're actively doing this 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 all day you know they're just an accident waiting to happen okay and, and i'm not paying them for that so right kevin you have a zero tolerance for slack workers i do too um doesn't mean we can't have a good time i used to take my guys out all the time to dinner and things like that we can have that time but when you're on the job it just means it a little different now people say again i'm an old fuddy-duddy old fart But I'm going to tell you what, 
To me, it was important because it was all about my image and what I wanted to portray because I one didn't want to have people complain about my pricing. I didn't want them to complain about my work ethic. I wanted to treat the business as if it was the same as if I was a doctor or lawyer or whatever. I felt like you get the same respect. We had to go through training. We have to learn a skill. What we do makes these lights come on. And you know what? It deserves respect. Don't taint it by acting a fool. It just, maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know, but that's that's the way I am. Uh, Mike, it says, thanks, Frank. Uh, Mike says, speaking of business being uh, being that, I'm a newbie in Texas. Can you elaborate on any Austin color codes for phases is different than our places? Uh, you know what? If Austin does something different, you just got to follow their color code. I don't know anything specific about Austin. Uh, one thing I will tell people, since you bring it up, Mike, about color code, uh, they probably do have a color code. Just, you know, the easiest way to understand their color code is to go to their website for Austin, Texas. You go to their website and you can go to their contractor, their licensing page or their uh, inspections page. And usually they'll have documents or a guide for the city to look at. And just be sure that you're using the colors that they want. Uh, incidentally, when we're talking about colors, a lot of people think that black, red, blue, brown, orange, yellow are the colors that are required for phase conductors. Um, now, they might be on a blueprint. They might be on a specifications. I see it an awful lot on specifications. The engineers will tell you on, on the Division 26 sheet, or they'll tell you in the general scope of the Division 1 sheet or the very first part of the specification uh, on the blueprints. It'll lay everything out. It'll say 120-208, black, red, blue, 277-480, brown, orange, yellow. Uh, it'll say whether or not you have a white neutral or a gray neutral. Uh, it'll, it'll spell all that out. You just have to follow it. The fortunate thing about us as electricians is that we, we're like chameleons, man. We, we can adapt to anything, and I'm sure, Mike, you're going to adapt to whatever. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people think that, for example, 12208 is um, black, red, blue. Uh, and that is traditionally the color scheme. That all started many years ago with Nika and all that type of stuff. And people say it makes it safer to do that. But, again, I'm a believer you can use any color scheme you want as long as you identify it properly. And we do have requirements in the code to identify it, whatever color scheme you choose. In fact, I used to have an, a contractor back in Virginia uh, that used to use, uh, as a female contractor, and her color schemes were, I think it was tan, pink, and purple uh, for her three-phase applications. All right, so... Um, that was just her color, and it became her trademark. And I'm sure she paid extra for those colors. Uh, but that was her thing. And if anybody would give her grief, and she used to come to all of our seminars that I used to do the training for continuing ed, and people would you know joke about the different colors, and she used to label everything. And I'm a big believer in labeling everything. Uh, some people say label it, and it, all it does is give the lawyers a way to find you. And I'm like, yeah, if you do it right, you don't have to worry about it. Right, if you you wouldn't have to have any worry about it, so label up everything. I believe in putting my name on the panels uh, above suspended ceilings. Every now and then, I would always hang one of my tags on the MC cable so they know where it came from, who installed it, in case they were doing any renovation. I wanted to make sure that I got an opportunity to bid that project. So I mean, I put my name on everything. All my employees had their shirts, our name on the back. 
I provided them for all of our employees because I expected them to look a certain way. And I expected I, I had to provide it. Now, they wore blue jeans, but they, the shirts I provided, shirts are cheap today. All those kind of things. Uh, but color schemes, the only thing that's required in the code, for example, and many people ask me this, is what about orange? Well, orange is required for a Delta high leg if you're going to use a color scheme. But the code allows me to put labels on it or tags on it. I could have all black phases and put tags or markings on it, and that would be acceptable. Uh, but if I'm going to use colors, if it's a Delta high leg, code says that it would be, if color is used, then it would be orange. Okay. Now, does that mean I can't use orange for, let's say, a wise configuration? If I wanted to, absolutely, you can use it all you want. It's just when it is in a delta high leg and you're going to use color, it has to be orange. So many people are con- you know, can get confused about that sometimes as well. Okay, so just want to make sure. Okay, now hold on. Let me reach out a screen. Actually, I'm not going to reach out a screen. I want to tell you about stickers. So you've probably seen the posts that we put up about the stickers. We have them. I don't have them in my hands. That's why you're going to give me your information, and I'm going to – here's what you're going to do. You ready? So we have the podcast sticker that's just like this logo. That's the one I'm, I'm, I'm most proud of people wanting to share this podcast as it's going to get better as we get more topics and you send in topics and we have more guests and things like that. But I have other other stickers that we've come up with. One is the Code Mafia. You've probably seen it with the skull. It's pretty neat. We have the, the one with the electrical wizardry. And we have the one, if you're a master electrician, it says master electrician on it. And then we have the one that says uh, journeyman electrician. Uh, and then we have one that just says plain electrician. So it's pretty, you know, you can use it generally for whatever uh, if you don't want to designate. Um, so we're going to have, we have all of those stickers available. So what you're going to do is you're going to send us an email. And in that email, you're going to put the actual subject line is, I want my sticker. And then inside of the email, you're going to actually put your address because I need to know where to send it. And we're going to send you the sticker. And so what you need to do is tell us what additional sticker you want other than the podcast sticker. Okay? So you're going you're gonna to get the podcast sticker, but then you're going to tell us what other sticker you want. And you might get some other goodies in there too. But that's what you're going to basically tell us so that we know which one to send you. Now, we're constantly having new stickers made and we're going to be giving away different ones and different topics. So if you have any suggestion for a sticker, a whimsical sticker, whatever you want it to be, then reach out to us, and we'll see about getting it done for you. Uh, we do all the graphics in-house, so we will create all the stickers. Um, and we've got some square stickers coming, some rounded edges stickers coming, different things we're working on. Uh, I mean, stickers, they're great on the hats, job site. I'd love to see somebody send us a sticker on their hard hat. That would be awesome. Um, But that's what you need to do. So I said it was a special code. The real special code is to send us an email. And what is our email address? It is info, I-N-F-O, at MasterTheNEC. I'll put it down here in the chat so that you all know what it is. If I can type. And that is our, as you see on the screen right there, that is actually our email address to send it. Again, I want my sticker in the subject line and then your address down in it and make sure you tell us what additional sticker you want. Do you want the master one, the journeyman one, code mafia, code wizardry, or just the plain electrical one, uh, electrician one, okay? 
Um, and so um, that's all you've got to do. It's pretty simple. Just send it out to us, and uh, we'll get that in the mail to you. Again, I expect those stickers to come anytime. They're, they're already on order. Um, if you want the big sticker, now I'm going to have to go out of screen here for a second. Hold on. Okay. If you want the big stickers, we're not giving those away. Those are the big ones. Uh, you want these, you just got to go over to electricianlive.com, and then you go up there on the store, click the store, and then you can go and you can actually get this, but you can get all of our stickers in this size. The Code Mafia, everything. So they're, they are going to cost you because they're a big sticker. The ones that we're sending out actually are 3-inch stickers, and this one is close to, I think this is close to probably 6 and a half. So these are the big ones, okay? All right. Looks good on a code book, by the way. Uh, the big one does. There you go. I have mine on the code book. Okay. I'll have that when I go to my code hearings. Uh, that type of thing. So, hopefully you have all chimed, you know, seen the topics and you have any anything you want to chime in, call in. Feel free to call in at Master the NEC if you have the uh, Skype. Feel free to call in and, and, and we can have a chat. Uh, add something to you want maybe other people you want to know. Um, or you can call via the phone number. And remember, you can always call in on a cell phone, uh, mobile phone, uh, hard line, whatever you want. Just make sure that you mute the show in the background so that it doesn't get the feedback on your end. Uh, and that number is 214-945-0653. Moving forward, always have that ability to call in during the show. And so... Feel free to do so. I monitor it that the whole time. Uh, if you if you need that, just feel free to do so. So that's pretty much our that was our topics for tonight um, that we were going to cover. Uh, there's any other questions that you might have? Uh, I'm more than happy to to take them or elaborate on anything that we've talked about uh, because I did get a, a late start tonight. Uh, again, I was trying to do a little bit something with the stream that I probably shouldn't have, so it caused a delay. So I apologize. Um, for those that are listening, again, this is the video is secondary to the podcast. So listening on our website, uh, actually on the podcast, Pure Podcast page, uh, or on one of our outlets, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Deezer, all those type of things. Or again, you can come over, as you see right up here, right there. You can always come to youtube.com forward slash master the NEC in the future. Um, and, uh, we're more than happy to pick up any topic that you would like. So if there's any topics that you want to talk about, uh, anything, any code questions you want to ask while you're here, feel free to, to bring them. Um, hopefully the everything's going still. The stream and everything looks like it's still going. So feel free to, to ask away. If you have any questions. Not seeing any come in, so I really have nothing else to talk about tonight. So, contractors. So, I did a podcast today. If y'all haven't had a chance to listen to it, uh, you're welcome, Muhammad. If y'all haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast that we put out today, go over to our YouTube channel, if that's where you're listening, and, and listen there. Um, I did a podcast today on contractors versus subcontractors, 
And it's important to understand that if you're going to do a 1099, like we were talking about earlier, that you understand that that subcontractor is how they reflect on you to the actual owner. And you need to make sure that all the information that, that they're doing it on time, that they're following all those rules and things like that, so that they actually can make sure that they don't present you in a bad light. Because again, you're a subcontractor to the general, but they're the 1099, they're a subcontractor to you. And they reflect on you either poorly or well, depending on how you work it out, making sure they're on time and everything like that. Uh, Armando, um, I do come to Colorado from time to time, uh, but usually it's only for companies that that you know that, that have me come out there to speak at some event or for a company, uh, maybe either code class or, or something like that. Uh, they're generally not open to the public uh, too much. Uh, most of the time, things I do like that are specific for corporate world. Um, also, I sometimes make it in places like that for. Um, Encore Wire, because I teach for Encore Wire, and I, and I work for Encore Wire as their codes and standards guy. I'm a head of that division. So that also brings me to Colorado and other places for meetings and conventions and things like that. Uh, but no, I don't do any private uh, teaching code updates or anything like that unless a company brings me in, and they can do that. We are available to, to do a four-hour, six-hour, eight-hour, ten-hour uh all that kind of stuff, more than happy to do that. But you need to reach out to us on Electrical Code Academy. Uh, if you know somebody that's interested in bringing us to that area, we can do that. Elias, how you doing? Thanks for coming, my brother. Hopefully you, you, you caught any of the show again on here. We'll, uh, we'll replay it again. We're just kind of chilling out, talking about some things. Now we kind of covered the topics. Uh, Jonah, union versus non-union. Oh, so what is my opinion versus union versus non-union? Hold on. It seems like I can never get this stream thing right. Uh, What is my opinion? Um, I don't have any problem with the union. Uh, I've never been a union guy. Um, Never been in a situation where I had to be a union guy. Uh, I see goods and bads. I think we have an upcoming show schedule that does union versus non-union. I'd love to have callers that call in who's a union and maybe call in and get a non-union and get their opinions. I think that'd be a great show. I think I have it lined up. So if you know somebody that's a union and you know somebody's a non-union, call in. Now, when we're talking unions, many times a union is going to have a set pay level that whereas a non-union, the pay is all dictated by the owner and your level of skill in a union, the pay is dictated dictated by what the union determines or your local union decides for a specific area. So uh, you'll have different scale. Uh, and the other thing about the union is that when you're in the union, like say IBW or something like that, uh, if you're in a certain union, then you, you might, if you've been in it a while, you can pretty much guarantee you're going to have work somewhere. Now you might have to travel but you're going to have to go somewhere, but you can get work. Uh, non-union, if it dries up, it dries up, and you're only, you know, the contractor is the one that's got to keep you busy if he's a non-union contractor. So there is benefits to, to that. The union does make sure that you have certain benefits that maybe a non-union can't afford. But with that said, there's other alternatives. For example, IEC, Independent Electrical Contractors, uh, people that join that association can 
to actually offer many of the same benefits that you would get in a union, but it's a non-union thing. Uh, and they have the education apprenticeship programs as well. And I think I do a podcast that explains all that as well. So you can get the best flavor, but you know what? Depending on where you're at in the country, you might be forced to do union route or the company you work for goes union route. But when you think about union from a business standpoint as an owner, uh, I have to be very careful because the unions, when they get large or everybody in my company is unionized, uh, it's going to affect the, obviously your burdens, your your overheads, uh, your profit has got to be something that you've got to scrutinize really closely because you're going to have so many benefit outpays. Uh, and many times the owners pay dues for their members. It's a lot of outlay that you just better be prepared for it. So there's the benefits. And so I'm going to do a show that kind of tries to pull together. So I'm going to reach out there. If anybody's on the union side and been there for a while and in the non-union, then I want to get with you and, and maybe get you on one of our shows so that we can actually have a great debate uh, about unions. Uh, my opinion is unions fine wherever you're at, you know, somewhere in the country. Up north, union is prevalent. Down south, not so much. Uh, and again, as a small business owner, unionizing would kill me. Uh, as a big contractor, unionized benefits means that I'm always going to have workers available. So I can know that I'm going to get the project done. Those type of concepts. Um, so Jonah... Uh, 10 years non-union, but now I'm a first-year apprentice in the union. Hey, well, there you go, Jonah. So what, you know, interesting, I'd love to talk to you about when you, you start to experience and what you're seeing is different. You, you've had a flavor of a non-union and what it brings, and now you're in, you're in the union. So, you know, see what that brings to the table for you. So I'd love to get your insight on that to help for a future show. So email me, send me an email. Uh, info at masterthenec.com and maybe we can have it on future shows and we can get more in depth. I've never been union, so I can't do a, a union side of things. Um, Mr. Sparky says, I've been in the electrical field since 2006. Worked around union electricians to only see them get laid off. Uh, yeah, and hold, and lo and behold, oh, wait a minute, laid off and hold, and behold, see them working for same company as myself. Yeah, so that's the other thing. Unionized usually pulls together a large group of people for a job, but when that job is done, they pull all these resources. You got this job, and then all of a sudden, it it dries up, and they end up, you know, they lose it. And then when the work dries up like that in a project, a big project with a lot of union guys, they get laid off. They have to go back to the union, and they do what's called sitting on the bench, and then they're waiting for another project. And of course. The longer you've been in the union, right, the, the short chances are that the jobs that come up are going to go to you, kind of kind of pay your dues. Whereas when you leave that and you go to a non-union, it's just like a regular business. They're constantly trying to focus on getting new business, but they tend to keep you more. And this is just my opinion. From guys I've talked to, they keep you more as a family. Union is a union. You're in a family to the union but you're expendable to the contract. Whereas if you're in a non-union, you're, you're, you're part of that company. Now, I'm probably, some people would disagree with that, and I get it, but that's kind of my take on, on how that goes uh, with that type of thing. Uh, Benjamin, eight, eight non-metallic sheath cable wired 
to a 50-amp breaker residential? Is it code compliant? Well, Benjamin, what, what are you doing? You got this. So what do we know about NMB? We know that NMB has to be, you can use the 90 degree for adjustment and corrections, right? But at the end of the day, it's still a 60 degree. So we got our trusty code book, and we go to 310.16 if you're in the 2020 code book. And it looks like a, you're saying an 8 gauge. Well, an 8 gauge right here is good for 40 amperes under the 60 degree. So 40 amperes. So the next question you ask is, well, if it's 40 amperes, I can go over, I'm assuming copper here, Benjamin. Then I go over to 240.6. I'm going to look it up in the code book. I'm not going to use electronic tonight, guys. Just not going to do it. I didn't get it geared up for tonight. And then I go to 240.6, and I look and see the selections, and I've got a 40-amp breaker available. Lo and behold. So 40 amps. So the answer is an 8 NMB I would not use on a 50-amp overcurrent device. Now, uh, for the cable, the cable aspect of it. Now, there's a unique thing in 210 about brand circuits that I'll talk about since you bring it up, Benjamin, is that if you go over and look at, if you're following along in the code, guys, uh, then I'll tell you about devices. So, again, if you're going to table 210.21B3, can't see this because of the lights in the studio here. Yeah, you can't see it. And I'm going to do I should have done it on the screen, but I don't have it geared up. Uh, if you go here, for example, you can look at a 40-amp branch circuit because that's what the 8 is. But the question is, what size of the circuit? Well, that's 8 gauge, 40 amps. But can I put it on a receptacle that's rated for 40 amps or a 50 amp? And the answer is yes. The device could be 50 amps, but the circuit is still 40 amps. Okay? You get with me? All right. So that's kind of the whole picture. Not just the wire, but the breaker as well as the device. And that is 210.21B3. That's the device on the circuit rating. 330. Uh, 310.16 or 310.15B16 if you're in the 2017 code. 60 degree column, that's going to tell you that's good for 40 amperes for an 8 gauge copper. Uh, and 240.6 is going to tell you, well, do they have a 40 amp breaker? Absolutely. So that's your breaker. So hopefully, Benjamin, that answers everything about that question. Um, Elias, if you get laid, if you get laid in the union, well, that's a personal thing. Uh, Elias, and I don't, you know, I don't know about all that now. Let's see here. I got music for that one. Come on, man. So if you get laid off in the union, you get to go back to the hall and take another job call. Back to work the next day. Oh, okay. Well, um, there you go. So there's some, some, some two things. You never know who you're going to work for, but you're working. And at least at the union, I think your pay is going to be the same wherever you go or whatever the scale is. Uh, and with when you're working for a non-union, you're, you're pretty much in the same company. And you negotiate your pay based on your skill level, the amount of time you've been there, and all this kind of that type of stuff. Then, again, it's a little different. So there is some security with the union. Now, don't get me started when it comes to striking. Because the problem with strike is you can become a problem if you cross the picket line, and you know what, and you have to make that decision. But if tons, of, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, and things are tough, and there's a strike, and you just want to work, you know that can make it tough. I don't know how often they strike though. Not not real often. 
I mean, so again, but but it, it, it could happen. Uh, it's really hard for me to give an opinion on the union not being in the union. Um, I, as an owner, I like control of my my business. I like control of what I do. I like control of what I pay. I like control of my benefits that I offer and what I don't offer. And a union takes that control out of my hands. So if I'm a medium to small size contractor, um, then I'm okay. You know, I want to control that. If I get really big, really big, then I'm all I'm doing is projects and I need to make sure that I've got manpower all the time, then I can see where some of the big ones like Chicago area, New York, will go to a union. I can see it. I can feel how they do that. Uh, Jonah, it says, IBEW has a no-strike clause, so essentially you can't strike without the international organization approval. There you go, but they still can strike. But that's, yeah, and that's the whole thing strikes and then affects everybody. Of course, then all of a sudden all jobs start that are that are working on projects with union starts shutting down. You know, everything starts shutting down, that type of thing. So, um, you know, so it's, there's a little bit, I'm moving around the screen, sorry, guys. There's a little bit for everybody in that. So, again, I don't know enough about the union to, 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 to steer anything other than that. Um, so, hopefully I answered that question on that. Any other, any other questions anybody might have? We might as well knock them out. Um, again, in the future, I am hoping that the streams for these shows start on time like they're supposed to. I'm hoping that it actually can do multi-stream. In other words, I want to be able to make sure, I'm trying to make sure that we go out to our YouTube page as well as our um, Facebook page. Um, It didn't work tonight, and that's what caused a glitch early on. I had a Twitter malfunction. It was a connected page. So it made it a problem. Um, Ket Soyan. Thank you for what you do. Where does it? Where does a guy buy an electronic version of the NEC? Interesting. You should say that. The only way that you're going to get, an, you can't get an electronic version of the NEC at least in the 2020. You still can get it in the 2017, a PDF. But the only electronic version that you can get is a subscription base for the 2020 code, and you have to pay through NFPA to get that, and that is going to be a, an annual subscription. And they went away from the PDF versions because of people, you know, sending people copies and cutting them out and them not getting the money. So they went to an electronic version. Yes, you've got to have internet to use it, as far as I know. Uh, I have it on my phone, uh, but it's it it sucks. It 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 it. it I, I would like a PDF version. Um, so, um, but. If I was going to pay for the version online, I will tell you there's a there's a video you can watch of mine on the YouTube channel that talks about how you can see it free. Okay? Right? You can see that it is free. There's a free version of the 2020 code available online. And you can watch it from the NFPA. You can use it from the NFPA and it works on your phone just like your the, the subscription one is. A little bit different and you don't have the changes and things like that on it. Oh, I know why I moved myself. Sorry about that. Um, but it is, uh, it's pretty nifty. You can do it straight, straight from your phone the same way and look at it. So there is a free version, but no, there isn't a PDF version available. Uh, Mike Sparky says, Benjamin question for you, where and what application you're using that eight wire. Okay. So 
where Mike is saying is that there's an application where, let's say, you might be using it for motors. But remember, NMB is still restricted to 60-degree column, period. Can I use it for adjustment and corrections? Absolutely. But it is very much limited, okay? So, you know. Uh, what's your question here? It says, Mike, will you show that little code book you have there with you? Um, I'm not sure what little code book I have. The big code book. I have this right here. I don't have a little code book. But I got, I got the big code book with me. So I don't, I don't have a little one anywhere with me as of, you know, yet or as of right now. Let me move over here a little bit. Um, let's see here. Well, best advice for a new contractor. Actually, we've got some shows coming up starting February that is going to um, that is going to uh, talk about things that you need to know to be a new contractor, a new business owner, electrical contractor. So stay tuned for those. Um, the the other one you might be talking about. He's talking about a little little book. Uh, let's see here. I don't have a little book. This isn't. A, this is my phone. Um, let's see. What other little books? Do I have? Sorry for all the noise. I didn't anticipate this. So I'm just kind of looking around to see what other little books I have. <laughs> got my got my Masonic book here. Uh, let's see here. Oh, no. What other little books? I really don't have any additional little books. If people ask me, do I have an Uglies book? I do not. Or I used to have an Uglies book years ago. I don't anymore. Um, because most of the Uglies book is just regurgitating what's in the code book. So, you know, once I started learning the code book through the years, I didn't really need the ugly, ugly book anymore, uh, to be honest with you. But, again, it's nice to have on a job site, quick reference, but uh, I usually keep my code book. I don't really have any other additional books that I utilize, if that's what you're asking about. Uh no, we got Elias, uh, Elias and Jonah having a conversation amongst themselves. I'm not. I'm, I guess they're they're talking union stuff. So, anyway, um, if anybody wants to call in on the show again, don't be shy. There's a phone numbers at the top of the screen, and there's the Skype, uh, that type of thing. So for those that came in late about the stickers. Remember, send me an email at info i n f o at master the nec. Put in there, put in the subject line, I want my stickers. Put your address in the email and also make sure you mention what additional sticker you want, whether you want the Code Mafia, the uh, Code Wizardry sticker, whether or not you want the um, uh, the electrician or the, the Master Electrician or even the Journeyman sticker, depending on what you, what you are. And I'll send those out and I'll send you some extra little stuff too. Um, but that's how you get that. So there's no special code. I didn't lie, really. I just didn't want to do the code. It's much easier if you just uh, send me out an email uh, and put in the subject line, I want my sticker. Send it to info at master the NEC. Uh, just kind of like you see here. On, oops, right there on the YouTube there, master the NEC. So it's info at master the NEC.com. Put in the subject line, I want my stickers. And then down in the body of it, make sure you put your address 
and which stickers you want. You, you're going to get the podcast sticker, uh, and we want to get your pictures of you sharing that sticker on your hard hats or wherever you share it. Send it to us, and we'll, we'll put them on future shows. I'll have a, a medley of pictures. Uh, and, um, and let us know what other sticker you want, whether you want the, again, the Code Mafia, Code Wizardry one, whether or not they want the Master Electrician one, the Journeyman Electrician one, or the just generic electrician one. Okay? There you go. So, um, Jonah says, do you have an email list so I can be kept up to date on when you're streaming and up- uploading? Um, the easiest way to do that is to subscribe to the channel, uh, Jonah, because it will send out notices uh, for that as well to be able to, to, to let you know uh, for that application. Uh, what do we got here? Benjamin, 2020 example B3 store uh, is an answer that's different than the 2017 NXD. And I'm not sure what you're referring to. It can be to the NMB because typically you wouldn't use a store, wouldn't use NMB. I mean, not that it can't, but typically you, you wouldn't. But let's look at what uh, let's look at what Benjamin's talking about. Actually, you know what? Since now we've kind of gone past the stream, let's just play a little bit. I'm going to pull up. Let me pull up my code book here. Bear with me, guys. What I'll do is I'll go in and pull up the code book. So hang on there for a second, and let me get to my code book, and we'll look, and I'll get to uh, and see what uh, Benjamin's talking about. Y'all bear with me here. I'll get this thing on the screen. I wasn't going to have that here tonight, so I didn't do that. Let me make sure I optimize this. There we go. Let me move this up one. Okay, so I the stream. Let's see if I can get out of the way. And let's go look at it. So basically what you're saying is NXD. Let's go to the NXD, Benjamin, and see what we're doing. And which one did you say, Benjamin? You say, uh, which one? D3? Uh, the biggest project I ever had was a, um, a big commercial job back in uh, Virginia. It was actually a, multi, uh, a multi-outfit uh, poultry facility. And that was the biggest one that, that, that we did, my company did. As far as that job. Now, I've done some residential. The biggest project I did was, uh, uh, I think it was probably a $9 million residence. Uh, it was right at 10,000 square feet. Uh, was the, uh, I'll use the term single family dwelling. Now, I worked for other companies prior. So I worked for, you know, that did big, big, big projects. But that was biggest to my company. That type of thing. And we did other ones. The reason I say biggest Meant that that was multiple buildings, and and that's was more complex. So that's Elias. That's that's what I mean as far as my biggest project. Uh, it was it was multiple projects. Uh, let's see here. Let me go back to let's 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 go to. I, I know in 2020, but again, we don't have the electronic version. I'd have to open up screen. I've got my hard copy, so I just want to look and see NXD in the 2017. Benjamin, to see what you're talking about. Those that are with us can follow along. So the building store, here we go. All right, so let's look at here. So I'm looking at D3, and now I'm going to get my 2020. And you know what? They could have changed something 
and and made an, an addition to it. Again, I don't utilize the Annex D that much, but if you're in an exam and you're in a pinch, yeah, something to use to kind of give you a heads up on something. So let's look at D3, the store. Let's see what's the difference here. I'm just looking, guys, so bear with me for a second. Oh, well, you know what the difference is? Um, and I don't know if you if you noticed this, and I'll, oh, I'm out of the way. Let me move me over here. There. Is that in the 2020 code for D3, it uses 9,120 as the VA for the general lighting. And the VA is different in the 2017. Now, one of the reasons why, Benjamin, uh, is because we did have a change in how you do the lighting. So in the code, we had a change in 2020. The lighting requirements uh, did change, and the values per square foot changed. So that's going to change the values in the back of the book. So there was a distinctive change, and, of course, the result of that is going to change all the examples. For example, here, it's it's 1.9 VA per square foot. Well, in the 17 code, if you look at the 17, it was 3 VA per square foot, okay? So, again, there was a, a little bit of a difference, and it, it all has to do with the change that took place in the general lighting requirements, Okay. All of that changed a little bit for the 2020 code. Another thing that was important about that change, Benjamin, is that now we don't have to take into consideration continuous loads anymore when it comes to the for the lighting, for example, for, for a commercial building. It's already figured into the table. So we no longer have to worry about that, that uh, uh, application now. It's going to take care of that continuous load for us moving on in the future. So, but the change here is not an error. It's actually a correction to the way we do the calculation. And we're going to have videos for the 2020 code that explains all those changes. Elias, peace out. Thanks for coming. Thanks for joining. Uh, Come see us next time. And again, email us for those stickers and let us know any future topics you want us to talk about on the show and coming up in the future. All right. So I don't know, Benjamin, did that answer your question? Let's come back to me. Did that answer that for you? What was actually changed uh, in the code? It's we've changed the yes, we've changed one of the aspects, and we we've moved the residential, the dwelling units have now been moved out of that table. Okay, and so that's no longer in 220.12 anymore. It has its own area, and inside of 220.12, all of the VA values uh, per square foot have all been altered. And they were all based on the ASHRAE and, and lighting density tests that have been done through the years in order to change all that. And so that's what took place. And as a result of that, it's going to change all your calculations. So that's something new. So when I remember at the beginning of the show, when I said about learning new stuff, there you go. 2020 has got plenty of new stuff that we have to teach you. The calculations are changing. Uh, 310 for the wiring types. Uh, uh, what the conductors in 310 has been restructured. There's so much new stuff to learn for the 2020 code. And guess what? We're getting ready to get started again on the 2023, believe it or not. And some of the, and I don't know of any state that has adopted the 2020 yet, but we're getting ready. The public inputs are coming in. I've sent probably 15, maybe something like that, of new changes that I want for uh, the 2023 code. 
And so we're going to get started January of 2021. We have our meeting in Hilton Head, and I'm there for two weeks, and we'll be going over the code. But you've got until, I believe, September to put in your uh, public inputs. If you have something in the code that you want to change, that you think needs to, I should probably make sure I'm closer to the mic, that you want to change, please make sure you get them in. It's free. All you got to do is get a free NFPA account. And then you go on there. Once you get that free NFPA account, then you can submit public inputs. Just be prepared to substantiate them. Don't just say that something needs to change because it just wanted to change. It's not going to work. You're going to file it in that round filing cabinet at the end of the table, right in the trash, right? So, yep, that's what's going to happen. All right, so do I have any other questions from anybody? I appreciate you you coming on and, and joining me tonight. Sorry for the late start. Uh, we covered three topics tonight. Uh, should I keep learning? Yes, you should always keep learning. Should I quit or get fired? If you're going to quit, make sure you have another job lined up. Remember that if you get fired because of some stupid actions on your part, it could affect you being able to use that as a, a reference in a future job. And just people talk. Contractors talk. Okay? So uh, people say that you can't call somebody and get a reference anymore because of the rules. Um, when people called me for previous references, all I'd ha- if I wanted to call somebody, all I'd have to say is, would you hire them again? And if they said no or never or whatever, that's all I had to hear. i be honest with you. That's all I had to hear. And I didn't hire that person. Um, I don't need anything else than that. Uh, leaders or followers, that was our third topic tonight. We definitely need leaders, but we also have to have followers. My challenge to you as an owner or as a foreman or as a master is check your staff out and determine who has leader potential and nurture that leader potential because you never know when you need somebody that's got your back that's going to step up and be a leader. And again, we always need those leaders. Again, we we have to have the followers. They're the ones that get the work done. The leaders also get the work done, but they also lead them in the task of getting the work done. And I like to have a bunch of leaders on my job. I do. I like people that own the job, take ownership of the job. It's all important to me when I'm doing that. Okay? So I didn't get any callers tonight. Nobody called in to to, to, to chat live with me. Um, so um, has anybody else got any topic or something you want to talk about? We're going to going to end the stream. I appreciate you all hanging in there. It was a late stream. Uh, again, I was trying to do something difficult that I'll get it sorted out for the next time. Trust me. Uh, but it, uh, it just didn't work right. I thought I had it all figured out, but it just didn't do it. So anyway, I guess that's it. Unless anybody has any additional questions. Um, we got a question. I'm going to say here, let's say Nick. Thanks. Uh, welcome to the show, Nick. Uh, is a pre-tab and highlighting codebook allowed for testing? Nick, it depends on your state. Uh, I have an actual uh, video that I do that talks about how to navigate and find out. And that was actually our two, we had a, a Tuesday night uh, chat. It was just a spontaneous thing that I did where I went over uh, the different concepts of where you find out the information about the state that you're interested in, whether they have a testing center that's done by, let's say, uh, PSI. So my advice to you, Nick, is I don't know what state you're in, uh, but chances are PSI is the testing authority in that state. As a guess, go to PSI exams, 
www.thepowerofthenewsnetwork.com and go down. And if they actually have a bulletin, it'll tell you what you can and what you can't have in your code book. For example, Texas, I can highlight my code book. I can underline in my code book and I can make notes in my code book. For example, in the front of the code book for Texas guys, I teach them how to put all the formulas in the front. And if they put all the formulas in the front, then at any given time, if they have a question, they need to understand a formula, voltage drop or whatever it is, they can go right to the front. Right. Uh, But that's Texas. You need to check. I don't know every state. Um, Most states that I know of will let you tab, which are tabs that you have to get uh, are the kind that are pre-made and they're permanent. Not the kind that you get and they come off, peel off. It's not going to work. they got to be permanent. Um, and there's some states, by the way, that will only let you use a softbound edition. Just like this right here. There's some states that will only let you use the softbound edition. They won't let you use a spiral, which is the curly spiral. And they won't let you use the loose leaf with a three-hole punch. Uh, It depends on the state you're in. So I encourage you to check with whoever does your testing. They usually have a bulletin. And be honest with you, it's either going to be PSI or it's going to be ICCSafe.org, either one of those. But we have a video on that, Nick. So make sure you subscribe and then go to uh, our website uh, or go actually to YouTube.com forward slash Master the NEC. And it's probably where you're at now. And you can look and see, uh, you know, what the, the you have the requirements by downloading their bulletin. Okay. I don't know in Florida, uh, Nick, you, you're going to have to check the bulletin. Uh, it's too many states, you know, but again, every state is different. Uh, Danny, pencil is not allowed in Oklahoma. Okay. So it has to be pen. Um There you go. Uh, can repeat the name of the best bit? I'm not sure the best bit. Uh, if you're talking about bidding software, then Demetrio, it's called Best Bid Hybrid Pro. Best Bid Hybrid Pro. That's the one of the estimating softwares. That, 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 that I recommend. It's, it's a pretty good software. And there's a lot of other ones out there, but that's the one, if, if, if that's what you're asking, it's Best Bid Hybrid Pro. Just go to your browser and just type Best Bid Hybrid Pro. If you order it, tell the guy in there that you heard about it from me, and he might cut you a deal. Uh, Danny, exactly, you know, no loose leaves in Oklahoma either. Um, Texas... You know, it's, you know, they really want softbound. They don't care if you highlight. They don't care if you underline. They don't care if you make notes, uh, as long as they're permanent notes. Um, they won't let you do it during the exam. Every state is, is different. So, Nick, um, if you send me an email, I will send you exactly the information in the, in, from, from Florida. Just send me an email at info, I-N-F-O, at masterthenec.com and I'll be more than happy to to get that information for you and send it so you know exactly what you can and what you can't do in uh, Florida. I'll save you the trouble. I'll let you know. Contact me and I'll uh, I'll get you that information. 
I don't know right off the top of my head. All right, guys. Um, oh, when is Texas adopting the 2020? Uh, probably not going to be until, if I remember right, because we still have to have the uh, the meeting where we meet about the test exam. We're at that time again. So I would look and don't hold me to it. I know it's out there. I've seen it somewhere published. Um, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be around August or something like August or September. I want to guess somewhere like there. I think it's, it might be September. There you go, Benjamin. It says it's September. Uh, we have to have time to, to add any additional questions to the exam. Now, I don't know that I'm going to be on that committee this year, uh, this cycle or not. Um, I don't know, but um, to, write, to help write the exam. Maybe they're upset that I teach people how to pass the exam and how to learn the code. Maybe they don't want me on again. I don't know. But they, they reached out to me last time, but this time I had to step off of it. Uh, and uh, it's too early yet to see whether or not there's any, they want me back on it again. Uh, yeah, taking notes. You, you never, ever, no matter what exam you're in, you, you, still, you can't take the notes uh, while you're taking an exam. Okay. Kevin, do you know if the Dallas area has more opportunities for licensed electrician compared to other areas like Austin, San Antonio, and El Paso? You know, Kevin, I don't know about down there. All I can tell you is that Dallas area in North Texas has so much construction going on that I got to think that there's plenty of opportunities up here uh, because it's just booming, okay? Everything's just in Texas. You know, around the country, people feel... Back when they had the, 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 the slowdowns and the 2007s and all that. And, and rumors were that northern Texas, Dallas area and all that never, ever really saw a slowdown. So I don't know what it's, I don't know the market in Austin, San Antonio, or El Paso, but I know per capita the amount of space and the amount of work that's going on, there's going to be more work. I mean, it doesn't take much to drive down uh, through Dallas area and see that there's a freaking crane everywhere okay so now whether or not somebody scarfed up all the work or not I, that i couldn't tell you uh but i know that it there's a lot of work going around that area and it's moving in in uh, north texas as well even in where i'm at in mckinney texas area it is really just we never see a recession i don't think they've ever seen a slowdown uh houses are going up like crazy subdivisions are going in like crazy new businesses are coming in uh other big businesses are signing deals to come to Texas uh, and so northern. So I know that it can slow down down near the Houston area and areas down there. Uh, but up in, in the northern Texas, middle, central, northern, and that area, uh, it's just it's just it's booming. Uh, any difference in pay? I, that I couldn't answer. Uh, you'd have to, you know, I, I'm sure that there's going to be slight differences. And I can tell you how pay, even when I was back in Virginia, I went 100 miles or less north and the pay was uh, about 10% to 15% higher, just 100 miles north because the cost of living was higher. So, yep, Danny, you know, Texas has been booming since the 80s. I'm telling you, it's, I don't see a slowdown in sight. You know, as a newfound Texan, I like to say with I like to say I'm a Texan with Virginia roots. Okay, uh, I grew up in the I like to say I grew up in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. 
So my father ran moonshine. That's not a lie. I didn't make that up. I did it for extra money. He was a car salesman, too. Don't hold against him. Um, he passed away in 2014, so watch it. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of things that our family did for extra money. <laughs> so I'm just saying. Um, so I still, you can't take that country out of me. Uh, Mike, thank you for coming. Thank you for uh, stumbling onto the show. Hopefully, uh, interesting to hear how you found out about the show, different people, how they stumbled on it, how they found it. Uh, but please share the show. It'll only get better. This is only our second live. Everybody is familiar with my videos and my teaching and my training that we do over on the YouTube channel. Uh, but the live show is just something different. It allows me to stay in touch and connect with electricians uh, and uh, bring special guests. Hopefully, you'll go back and listen to last week's show. That was an awesome show. We had the guys from uh, Solid Ground Chords come on here. And I'll tell you what, interesting extension cord. Uh, I'm sold. It's an awesome product. And they were on here talking about it. And that show is up there you can listen to. Uh, there's no video on it because we didn't have the video thing going. Uh, but uh, uh, I encourage you to go listen to that podcast. It was a really good show. You'll learn some things about how all chords aren't created equal. Also, if there's any other person you know that you think would be a good guest on the show, make sure you share them with us and I'll reach out to them and see if we can't get them on the show. Uh, Benjamin, I think Austin is paying a little bit more than Dallas at might. I don't know necessarily what the pay is either. Uh, I can tell you what the you know my pay is up here in North uh, up here in McKinney area, uh, that type of thing. Um, uh, as an electrician, I can just tell you that I, I always just share, share with people when I do selective projects here in McKinney area, and I'm very selective in what I do or my my electrical company will do. Um, my fee, my, I'm $85 an hour. That's because my burden, okay, my burden is less than some other people. If you don't know what burdens are and overheads and profits, go listen to my podcast that, uh, that I did earlier when I talked about the, the issue of estimating and bidding because I talk about some of those topics in that show. Go listen to it. It's up on our YouTube channel. Uh, do you teach a, a class to prepare for a master's electrician test? Um, I am not one of those uh, weekend guys, cram course guys, Mike. I don't believe in it. Um, I offer a course. I offer a course called the Fast Tracks program that's available on our website. It literally is the best online course bar none. I will put it up against any course when it comes to preparing for an exam. It'll teach you what you need to know about the National Electrical Code. And plus, I grade all your competency, competency tests personally. Okay, so and it costs about the same as what you're going to pay or less than what you're going to pay in one of those crash courses. And you get access to it for 365 days. Okay, Um, so um, it's available on masterthenec.com. So you can go check that out if you're interested. But no, I don't I don't do any exam prep courses local. And I also do one on one. So if there's an area of the code that you have a problem with, if you go to masterthenec.com, then you'll see on there where I do offer tutoring services so that we can identify where your weakness is, and I'll do a one-on-one, and that's a per-hour basis that I'll do a one-on-one, and I use some software that we will interact and share screens and and work out some things. I do do that, but no, I don't teach any classes, uh, and I, you know, when it's, you know, in a classroom setting, I do everything through our course called Fast Tracks, Um, and it's available uh, on our website. 
Danny, um, I didn't necessarily see you on. I almost went to bed. Yeah, Danny, we had trouble with the stream originally, and I was trying to do too many things. And again, I wanted—I should do that while I'm preparing for a live stream. I should do that in a, an impromptu show because these shows are going to be every Saturday. Uh, and if you're asking how often do we do these live shows, Joel, every Saturday we do these shows, uh, and it's supposedly going to be broadcasting from our website, uh, and that I messed up on as well. So tonight it's only on our YouTube channel. Um, but in the future it will be broadcasting also from our website as well. Uh, and you can go there, but you wouldn't be able to have the chat feature from the website. Okay. Um, but it's every week, every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And during the week, I kind of come on and do a live stream, but I don't necessarily tell you. So I would encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe because you'll get a notice uh, when I'm uh, going to have a live stream or when I'm going to stream something live. Or the best thing to know is go over and join our Facebook page. Because on the Facebook page, I will usually announce that we're going to have a, a streaming show. And that's another way to, to, to get it as well. Um, so I probably should set up a mailing list to send it out. But if I was going to send it out, then I think that's what kind of the YouTube does. It will send out some kind of notice to let you know. Okay, But I'll look into that to see if I can do some kind of notice on that. But usually you get a notice if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Hopefully you subscribe. Um, let's see. What's next? Uh, let's see. Uh, said, uh, Danny says, I need to get into your master's course. How long is the, cor- uh, is the course? Uh, our fa- if you're talking about the Fast Tracks course, uh, it is, you know, People ask me, how long will it take to pass that course um, and, or, or to go through that course? You have access to that for 365 days, okay? You, you have full time to do that, but you can do it. I usually tell people the 90 days is that sweet spot to prepare for an exam. Uh, and when I say 90 days, that means that you get into the course and at least two days a week, you spend about two, two and a half, three hours in the course to in order to, and in 90 days, you should be able to finish it up in 90 days. If you're casual and you move through it, uh, and you just spend a couple hours a week in it, then, you know, it might take you six months, but you have access to it for an entire year, okay, to be able to do that. Now, I'm assuming you're not talking about our Certified Master Electrical Code Professional course. That's this little, oops, where's it at? Right here. It's a little pin we have right here. Um, that is only available to master electricians who want to take their code knowledge to the next level, okay? And that's a really tight testing window, and it's a, it's a tough course. If you really want to test your ability to be good at code, then this is the program for you right there. But that's, that's, that's available at mycmecp.com if you're interested in that. But you got to be a master electrician to do that. We do have an apprenticeship program for that um, that gives you more time to study, but... Um, that program is for masters generally only to, in order to get that credential behind your name. Um, but uh, our Fast Tracks program is not geared to journeyman or master. It's teaching the code in general. And so I'm a believer that you don't study for a master's or study different for a journeyman. I think that's a fallacy. Learn the code. That's the part. Learn the code. That's the key. All right. Uh, the Fast Track, how much is that, Benjamin? The Fast Track course is $315. Uh, 
and you get access to a full year. You can print off anything you want. You get all of those forms, how to calculate things, all the graphics, special videos, all this in there, and that's you get the entire access to it. Uh, plus, you get access as free to the entire database. And let me tell you right now, there is no better exam prep database than ours. If you haven't watched my video that's out there on what's in the Fast Tracks program, go to our YouTube channel and watch it. You get questions online on the system just like you were in exam, okay? And you get everything with that program. You even get the book. You can print off any page of the book. Now, people say, well, I want to own it for $315. You don't need to own it. This is the only book you need to own right here. This is it. My course teaches you how to use this, teaches you how to understand this. If there's certain tables and stuff in there, print them off. We have a neat sheet in there that teaches you how to, to do calculations for residential, one and two family, commercial. Uh, we have this neat form that teaches you everything. We even walk you through examples of calculations all in this course. There's nothing like it. Yeah, I'm getting excited now. I don't even want to get excited. Hold on. I don't even know what to push. Here, listen. I don't know. I'm getting all excited about my own damn course. It's because I'm excited. I wish the masses knew about it. I wish more people knew about it. I can promise you right now, when we sell that course for $315, I do not make $315, just so you know. The backbone, the LMS that allows me to do the grading, the one-on-one with you, to be able to look at your grades and every every exam, let me, let me explain something to you. There's over a thousand questions in the entire program. There's 800 questions in the mega exam prep portal. Okay? That's just in the portal. Every unit, every section has exams. Every one of them. There is no way that you can't become the best you can be if you go through that course. That's why I'm so excited. Other people will sell you $1,500, $1,200 DVDs and sell you books that will go on the shelf and you'll never use them again. This is the book you're going to use. And after three years, it becomes obsolete. But you still learn the fundamentals. And that's what we try to teach in our program. I'm not a big believer of those weekend things. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I'm not going to teach you tricks and tips to crap like that. I, I just, it's not me. I teach you the code. <sighs> Let's see here. Oh, and another thing. I tell students, Muhammad, you have it. It's a lot of reading. It'll also play it to you if you want to listen. But it's it's a lot of content. It's a lot to there's a lot to read. There's a lot of units. It's not easy. It's not. And there's a method to doing it right. Right? So anyway. Uh, let's see what uh, Benjamin. Yes, it works for the masters or the journeyman. It's code is code. I want you to learn the code. Trust me. It's the way to go. Don't let anybody tell you that they'll charge you money to go to a journeyman's and then charge you to go to a master's. Code is code. Learn to do it right. It's not brain surgery if you understand the process, right? Uh, let's see. Yes, I was saying it was high. Do you guarantee a pass in exams? Um, do I guarantee that, uh, that you're going to pass the exam? Not only you can guarantee your pass exam. What I can guarantee is... That if you take that course and you, there is a guarantee, if you go through the entire course, and again, you got to remember, uh, Pac-Man, 
I'm monitoring your activity. I'm monitoring everything. If you skip a unit, if you skip an exam, if you skip a a submittal for competency, and then you want a guarantee, nope, you're not going to get one. If you finish the course, then I guarantee you'll pass it. Otherwise, I will let you take the course again for free for another year. But you have to finish the course. I kind of get tired where people want something for, for nothing. So if somebody were to go three units in and then go take their test, and then they do the three units in, and then they fail the test, and they want a guarantee, and then I go back and look at their history, and I notice that they didn't finish the course, then if you're expecting a refund, it'll never happen, ever. Uh, I'm not a guy that makes excuses for people. I know that before I put my name on a program, You will pass the exam if you go through that course and you do all of those questions, all those units. You start getting grades at upper 80%. And if you don't and you submit it to me, um, then what happens is if when you submit it to me, what happens is I will give you feedback. I will tell you which question you got wrong so that you can go back and look it over. Okay, Uh, You won't get that anywhere else. I can promise you if you buy DVDs, for 1200 bucks for a complete package and you get some books. Ain't nobody going to be there to answer your questions. Ain't nobody going to do a free chat online. Ain't nobody going to do videos. Ain't nobody going to pick up and answer the phone for you like I do if you have a question. I take care of my people. The people that get into my program or have ever emailed me or contacted me or, email, uh, or sent a text to me always get a response from me. And that's a promise that I can make to anybody. Uh, my Facebook page, Mike, is if you go to Facebook, look for Master the NEC. And then, of course, we have an exam prep one as well called Master the NEC Exam Prep. And they're all, on our, they're all over on our Facebook page. And you can join them as well. So, um, yeah. So, uh, again, we all have time constraints when you're doing exam. That's why we give you 365 days. I am going to be offering a program in the next couple weeks, whereas you can get two years access to your program. Now, all the people that bought the one-year access, trust me, you're going to get your license before then if you go through the program. But there are some people that really want it for for longer, and we're going to offer a longer option. And it's not going to be a a huge price increase to get the longer option uh, for two years. Uh, But I've found that that's way more time than anybody needs. In fact, I'm a big believer in the 90-day rule. If you're diligent about it, and you got at least two days a week that you could spend two and a half to three hours studying, reading material, or let it listen to. You can hear our material. Uh, I believe in what's called ballistic training. And that is where you go into it, watch my demo, and you highlight it, you let it read it to you, and then you follow the bouncing ball, and you'll retain it a lot easier. And then you look it up in the code book. Okay, that's kind of my concept on how I do it. I am not one of those... Uh, You know, I hate to say this. I am not one of those fake educators who teaches what's called surface code, where I teach you just the surface. I sometimes go way deeper than I should. And that's because I want you to learn it. I'm not trying to just sell books. Um, Demetrio, again, I'm glad you, my videos, the free ones on, on YouTube. I'm glad you learned something out of those. Um, thank you, Danny. Appreciate that. Um, what you like is I don't overwhelm you with unnecessary info. You teach what the person needs to learn the basics and how to navigate the NEC, and that's key. Absolutely. I try to teach all that that type of thing. Okay? Um, 
Pac-Man podcast. Uh, my podcast, there are, there are, I guess you'd call it, there are podcasts embedded in the program, absolutely. It's certain key areas. So in the program, when you get to a certain topic area, so let's say the first unit, for example, is understanding the NEC. Uh, I also input videos, and they're not always mine. Uh, on how to understand parallel series circuits, parallel and series circuits, voltage drop, um, all kinds of videos. At the right time, I will put them in there. Basic concepts, okay? Uh, and then when you get to calculations, I will embed a video. Uh, it keeps you from having to search for all my videos. I will put things at certain locations that are beneficial to you. And so, yes, I do embed them in there. That's what makes it my program and how I customize it uh, because I put certain things where you need to be in order to better learn it, okay? So, you know, and I didn't want to get into where I'm stumping my program. Uh, there's plenty of programs out there. I am not a believer in that uh, that 24-hour or 48-hour crash course program type of things. I'm, you know, that's, I mean, that's just not my thing. Uh, but uh, there's people out there that do that. And if that helps you get your, past your exam, that's fine. My goal with the Fast Tracks program or any teaching that I do is beyond getting the exam. That's kind of why I talked about should I keep learning concept in today, one of today's topics. Yes, keep learning. Keep moving forward. It's important. Keep learning. That's the key. Um, any other questions? Boy, y'all got going there pretty good there for uh, a while. But yeah, Pac-Man, as far as, uh, you know, here's my guarantee. Otherwise, you know, people that know me means um, that program, if you go through all 17 units of that program, you're going to know the code. You're going to know the code. Now, I can't help it if you get in there and, and lock up and freeze. Um, I have some videos on a podcast on that as well, how to relax for an exam. But but if you do that, I you know, I can't help that part of it. But um uh, and also, a lot of people, I, I tell people this. If you have trouble passing an exam, here's another guarantee I make. And many people know this. People that have taken my courses before know that I do the tutoring services. I am also known to reach out and we do a live tutoring session. And what I do during those tutoring sessions sometimes is that I'm trying to identify your weakness. I will ask you certain questions. I will ask you certain things to identify your weakness so that we can find out where your weak point is. When you take an exam, usually they give you a printout, and if you fail, it'll identify where your weaknesses are. And if I can identify those weaknesses, of course, I want to bring everything up, right? I want to bring all of your knowledge up. But if I can identify where you're weak, then we can focus on that weakness. So a lot of times I'll do one-on-one tutoring sessions for people because I really think they need the help and I'll take the time to do that. Okay. And many of them I've done for free. I wouldn't do all the free videos if I didn't occasionally do one-on-one with students for free. And then I, you know, I don't do this just to hear myself talk. I truly want you to be successful and pass your exam. That's the end of the day. That's, means the most to me to make sure. And I love the emails I get every day, text messages I get every day. Uh, I have personal people that will text me, message me. I don't go on Messenger very often. Um, so if you need to contact me, Messenger is not the best way. Email is the best way. Um, oh, I should tell you, one of the best ways to get me, 
I am 50. I act like I'm 20. Um, is on their phone. Is go and uh, download the app from our website. It has a forum in there. Post questions on the forum. You can reach out to me from the forum, from, from that, directly. So get that for your phone. So we have a free app. It's from Wix. That's W-I-X, so don't let that freak you out uh, because I use Wix for everything. Uh, they do all of my payment systems because it's very secure, and, and I use PayPal for everything because they're very secure. People say, say they don't know if PayPal is secure or not. I think it's very secure because they have a good system of arbitration. They have a really good system of protecting the buyer as well as the seller. And that's what it's all about. I don't use this third party, which you don't know who's doing what in the background. I'm pretty confident about PayPal, so that's why I use PayPal for everything. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, I think it's, it's, it's worthwhile for everybody. I will say I've got new stuff coming. We are producing new shows for the 2020 NEC uh, that will cover things like that interesting example D3 that was pointed out earlier. Um, we are going to actually uh, have a lot of 2020 shows coming out teaching that different things because there's some significant changes. Uh, for example, D-Rating Demystified, the one that people have watched. I think that's been one of my most watched videos. How to do adjustment and corrections. That has got to be totally redone because the code's changed. It's, it's not changed the, the concept but the location of the code references have all changed. So it went from 31015B2A, 31015B3A, to now it's 31015B1, or 31015B, and 31015C. So it's been a little bit of a little bit of a change, and ampacity tables have all changed. So no longer is it 31015B17, I mean B16. Uh, now it's just 31016. So there's quite a few changes that took place. Uh, calculations have changed a little bit. Again, for commercial buildings, we don't have to do 125% for the continuous load, for example, for lighting. It's already figured in the general lighting, uh, so we don't have to worry about that. Uh, All of the VA per square foot has changed, so that's a little different. Been modified based on ASHRAE values, so that's a difference. Yep, time management, Danny, is really important, and I think I do a video that... um, it talks about doing it in waves uh, because really you need to build up what's called a bank of time. Uh, you need to answer the questions that you're pretty sure you know that you could sit there and stare at forever and you're still not going to change your mind. Mark those and move on because if it's two minute a question and you did that one in 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, you're building up a bank of time. So that's, you do it in waves. That's the easiest way to tackle an exam. And it's the less stressful way to tackle an exam. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Patman, how difficult is it for a residential electrician to get an intermediate uh, with no commercial experience? Um, I'm not. So whatever state you're in, they must have intermediate. Uh, must be the equivalent to a master's or whatnot. Um, to be honest with you, uh, Pac-Man, you're learning the code. And when you learn the code, you doesn't really matter because residential is only a small segment of the National Electrical Code. So you're going to spend a lot of time in residential in Chapter 2, 210, okay? 210.8 GFCI requirements. Of course, there's a 210.8 A and B, 
Uh, and it's C, D, E, F. But you're going to spend a lot of time in 210 for receptacle spacing, placements, uh, the general requirements in 210.52, all those type of things. That's residential in a nutshell. But when you get into the commercial aspects of it, where you're starting getting into uh, intermediate or even a master's licenses, or you're going to start to go in. So you be honest with you, you might not have the hands-on for some of that stuff, but many people can still pass the exam because you learn to navigate the code. Now, that's not a substitute for going out there and taking on jobs once you get that license that you're not prepared for. Uh, I have another podcast that talks about that, okay? Working, working beyond your means, okay? Just because you can doesn't mean you should, all right? Um, I know guys that have that gotten a license, they were got a contractor's license, commercial license, and then they took on a bigger commercial job, and they were like a fish out of water. They weren't prepared for it. Take off small bits, bite-sized pieces of contract work. Be very selective. I, I like to say be hungry, but don't start. But don't be starving. Okay, take little pieces, little bits of projects, uh, and and learn from there. Okay. Yeah, Danny, I've been teaching that process of the waves for since probably 2004 uh, when I was the first podcast. So we're online before anybody else was doing them. I was doing them at a place called a thousand mics and I would load them things up. And, uh, you know, people had to know where to go to get them. It wasn't like today. Caleb, I have California land of Title 24. Uh My condolences, Caleb. Um, yes, Title 24 does make things slightly more complicated. Ah, but you just get a Title 24, get a copy of it, and just learn to navigate it. You'll work through it. You'll get it. Um, Danny? Uh, in 2020? No, the receptacle spacing still the same, Danny. I tell people all the time, six feet from any opening and then every 12 feet is so that no point along the floor line is more than six feet from a receptacle. So basically, if I have two receptacles 12 feet apart, I have one in the middle. As long as it's six feet to this one, six feet to that one, it's compliant. Can I have more than that? Absolutely. But that is the minimum requirement. Um, Other than that, as far as receptacle spacing, not really significant. The only other change that we might see is additional clarification when it comes to... um, meeting rooms and things like that. We had some clarifications, uh, and it was one of the public inputs that I put in, you know, but they kind of butchered that. But we, we, we still got some clarity now about spacing in kitchens. Um, what else did we change? That's, that's pretty much it. The islands and peninsula, uh, peninsular, uh, those type of things have just been clarified a little bit on the island. Uh, on the peninsula, you got to make sure you have to have at least one one receptacle for the for the peninsula has to be within 12 inches of the end. So that's kind of a spacing thing um, that's new. But other than that, not really a whole lot of, of of real spacing issues for the 2020 for it comes to receptacle spacing. Any other questions we have? I often said that my shows would go one hour. But I keep on longer than that when they're the call-in shows, even though nobody's called in tonight. Um, I go longer with those shows. Uh, when I have a scheduled guest, we try to stay on the hour to respect that guest's time. And we're going to have other guests coming on uh, in the future. 
Um, hopefully we're going to get a guy that's an expert in, in estimating. He owns a company that teaches estimating. So we're going to have him on here. So I'll keep you all aware of that. Always go to electricianlive.com and you'll see what's coming up in upcoming shows. Uh, that type of thing. Uh, let's see here. Trev, the man. Can I use my 2017 code book on my exam or do I need to take take it with the 2020 code book? Nobody's updated to the 2020 yet. Trev, so most everybody is going to be either on the 2017 or in some states they're still on the 2014 like Oklahoma. Uh, it just depends. You need to check with the testing agency or whatever the state. And I have, um, again, if you want to find out what the um, requirements are for your state, if it's about the test, you need to go to psiexams.com and see if they administer the test in your area. Or you can go to those websites that I shared on another video that I did or podcast that talks about those resources on where to go and find out more uh, about your uh, what they require on that on that test. But nobody is on the 2020 yet, and I can tell you Texas will be one of the first. Uh, but I think Massachusetts might be rapidly approaching here as well very soon. Uh, but you know what? It takes a while. Because we have to change the exams uh, for that, okay? We have to change the exams and add some 2020 questions on the exam. So look for that. Any other questions anybody might have on the stream? And again, I'm sorry, everybody, for the glitches that I had when you first started. You might have come in and, uh, again, I was trying to do too many things. Uh, eventually, I want this to go out on our YouTube channel and our website, and on our Facebook page. But I screwed up, and that's why it's not streaming on our website, and that's why it's not streaming on Facebook. It's only on YouTube, because I screwed up. I made a boo-boo. I messed up. Yep. Big old egg right here. So anyway... So anyway, guys, man, I appreciate y'all hanging in here with me. Um, you have any other questions while we're here? Um, I'm in no hurry. So if you've got questions on code or you got something you want to ask, or uh, if I know the answer, I'll share it with you. If I don't know the answer, you want to ask about a program, you want to ask about the uh, Certified Master Electrical Code Professional Program, you ask me whatever you want. Ask me any question. Nothing's off bounds. Just be, you know, be clean about it. Um, Pac-Man. So is Fast Tracks the best for getting ready for a test? Well, my personal opinion, absolutely. It is no better program to me because you also get the questions. Over 800 questions online, just like how they're on exam. And if you get it wrong, it'll even tell you where in the code book to go to look up the answer so that you can learn from it. Now, yes, we also, Pac-Man, we do have what's called Electrical Exam Questions Program. That is only the questions. When you do the fast track, you get all of the questions included. So for a little bit more, I think, I can't remember, it was $50 more, you get the entire program. Okay, but yes, it's the same package for the question program, definitely. Thanks, Trev. I'm glad you liked the videos. Again, we got a bunch of new ones. People might, people have been saying lately, Paul, you're doing an awful lot of podcasts and so few videos. That's because we're working on new videos, and I don't like to release them yet. So we got new stuff coming. 
So just hang tight. We're going to flood the YouTube channel with new videos. Just give me time. I'm working on a new board and new audio, and you saw my glitches I had tonight. So I just want to make it right before I do everything. Oh, I am excited to tell y'all that um, that I, three books that I co-authored are coming out. I'm not trying to sell books because uh, I do not get a residual for that. So don't think that I'm pushing them to make money. I signed an, as a co-author. You get paid to do your part. The author is the one that gets the 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 um, the royalties. I don't get any. But we have three new books coming out, uh, and I'm co-authored with a friend of mine called uh, Phil. His name is Phil Simmons, and they're from Cengage, and it's residential, it's commercial, and a grounding and bonding. Everybody knows I'm a grounding and bonding freak. So we're going to have a special show here live one evening on grounding and bonding, and we're going to go over every topic that I can think of for grounding grounding and bonding. Get excited about that one because I love grounding and bonding. There's a lot of myths out there. Wow, you'd be surprised. Uh, But anyway, those new books are out there. In all of my courses, uh, I love the thing that people ask me, and this is another thing. I guess I should say this for, for somebody that might be interested. I have a course on commercial, so it teaches you commercial. I have a course on residential. I have a course on motor control. I have a course on grounding and bonding. I have the exam prep course, okay? Um, and so um, I have other courses, and they're all priced the same. That was a part of the deal that I made. Now, in the program for residential and commercial, there's a lot more units. It's a lot of material. You have a year to be able to finish those, and that's really all you need because that's like a four-year school program. And that's what we wanted to do. We actually wanted to create a four-year curriculum. So I've got the residential. I've got the commercial. I've got the, uh, we actually have an industrial program as well. So residential, commercial, industrial program. uh, And then I have the um, grounding and bonding. That's like a four-year program, okay? I don't sell a four-year bundle, okay? But I sell it as a four-year program. And to go through that, and uh, you get this real nice certificate and plaque if you can finish all four programs, okay? But, you know, it's like going to school. That's, That's a serious commitment. Um, but if you want to learn everything about commercial, we have a program for that residential. You want to learn all the, let me tell you who buys the residential program, the electrical contractors that have a bunch of people and they don't have the time to update their training. And so what they'll do is they'll register them into our course and we turn in the grades each week to the administrator with that company. So we might have a residential course that's got 15 students in it. And they're all working together, all working at their own pace. We monitor their grades, and we send a weekly report to the company. So if you know any company that's got 15, 20, whatever number of electricians, apprentices, and you want to get them all on the same page, learning the code the same way uh, as they're working on the job during the day, and you want them working at night on homework, then look at our courses. Help us out. Share that. Um, And uh, we can set them up for that as well. So we have a neat program for all that kind of stuff. You can get all of that at Master the NEC, okay? I didn't want to do a commercial, but there you go. We don't just have exam prep. You want commercial outs, we've got that program as well. Uh, Caleb, you saw when you say commercial electrical industry, a lot of my videos are commercial. You know, it's you're not going to see me out on a job site. You're not going to see me out showing you pulling MC through studs. So I teach you commercial. I teach you residential. I teach you code. That's what I do. 
If you want to see some of the commercial hands-on stuff, bending raceways, then I recommend going over to Electrician U. Name is Dustin Stelzer. He does a great job, has a great video channel, Electrician U. Uh, I think it's electricianu.com. Go there and check that out. He has a lot of videos that has to do with that. I'm a code guy. So when I teach you adjustment and corrections, D-rating, all that kind of stuff, it applies to residential or commercial. So I don't differentiate between the two. Uh, but with that said, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, Caleb. But this year, kind of towards, I think, I think we, I, I haven't checked my schedule, but I think near April, we're going to actually teach lessons out of our course. Okay. And we're going to do that and teach some lessons for commercial, but it's going to be specific out of our course. Okay. So uh, let's see here. Danny, I'm trying to catch up here. I think looking up the questions as you go through the video and whatever helps with the helps info stick and learn. Uh, yeah, and you know what? In our exam prep program, um, with any of our courses, we put things in brackets or little arrows. And when you're doing the course and you see that and you're reading it, that's a sign to look it up in the code. And we do that for a reason. So as you're going through any of the programs, you see these like double, I think they're like chevrons. That's when you're reading it, or you, whether it's reading it to you, you will crack open your code book, right? And you will follow along. That's the whole purpose. Keeps that must, you know, that's why we read it. And if you watch my exam prep thing, it's interesting because it, if you highlight it and then you click the read out loud, it'll be like a bouncing ball and you are actually reading it as it bounces and we call that ballistic training. So you'll hear it, you see it, you're moving along and you're, and you're reading it, all those things. And then when you get to those little chevrons, crack your code book open and look it up, okay? And to be honest with you, I'll give you a little tip. You ready? Every time it tells you to look up something, highlight in your code book. There's a good chance that it might be something on an exam, but you didn't hear that from me. Okay, because I don't want to get in trouble. All right, so what's next here? Uh, Caleb, are Mike Holt's older videos still relevant to today? Um, If it's code, it's code. Uh, Relevant is the code changes every three years. Okay. Uh, Alex, lighting, question. When running parallel runs, do you run them close as possible, etc.? You have 12 raceways, 13 rows, 4 columns, and 8 sets, which raceways, uh, which raceways would be empty? Whichever ones you want, Alex. Basically, when you're running, sounds to me like you're talking about a duck bank, if you're running a duck bank or if you're just running raceways. The thing about parallels is that under 310, your parallels all have to be consistent. Your raceways have to be consistent. And again, it's hard to keep everything the same length. I get it. But you're required to keep all phase A's the same length, all phase B's the same, all phase C's the same, all raceways the same. So you want to run them together in in close proximity in order to make sure that you're going to have everything the same. Okay? What's up, junior electrician? Thanks for joining um, but you want to keep everything the same. So um, empty raceways, uh, I would refer to those as spares. If you're going to run spares, depending on how you're going to run those. Okay, I don't know if that answers your question. But um, again, close proximity, a lot has to do 
with the paralleling requirements. It sounds like you're paralleling. So you've got the different characteristics that have to be maintained, and that also applies to raceways as well. Yep, Caleb. Dustin's a great, great guy. He, he, from time to time, I chat with him. He calls me. He's right down the road in Austin, and he does a great channel, getting a great following uh, in, in uh, a little different type of channel than me. Um, there's certain things that I can't do that he can get away with, but most people know that I'm an educator, and I'm fairly decently known through the industry. And I appear all over the country, and I represent a large manufacturer as well as their code and expert. And so I sit on a lot of committees, NFPA committees. I sit on uh, UL committees, uh, just so many, Canina, NEMA. So I have to carry myself a different way. So, I mean, doesn't mean anything wrong with that. I just, I'm required to. I can't. I can't go too crazy, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, uh, Frank, I'm not sure what that is. Still what? I'm not sure if there was a question. Maybe he didn't answer. Not sure. Not sure what the question was. Then you might be asking him, so, okay. Um, so anyway, I don't know that I answered that, that question for you, uh, accurate out the way you might've wanted Alex, except for we could go to the NEC and answer that question. For me, I would go to, let's see here. Sorry for the scrolling, folks, because now we're just playing around. And I like to play around. So we're going here to, oops. Went too, went a little, little too far, I think. (laughs) All right. So, oops. I, did anybody ever say that I hate how, there you go, I hate how PDFs work on my screen. Okay, so paralleling, it seems like this is what you're, you're asking. And let me see if I'm in the way. Let me move me out of the way. Here we go. I'll move me over here. All right, so paralleling, again, looks like that's what you're doing. But you also get down here, separate cables in, or raceways. It says we're running separate cables or raceways. The cables and raceways with conductors shall have the same number of conductors and same characteristics. Conductors of one phase, polarity, neutral, grounded circuit conductor, or equipment grounded conductor shall not be required to have the same physical characteristics um, as those of another phase, polarity, neutral, blah, blah, blah. Okay? But you want to keep the same characteristics, and it has to do with the, what do we see up here? They have to have the same length. Have to consist of the same conductive material. That's per phase, mind you. And have the same circular mill. So interesting enough, what that means to a lot of people is if phase A is copper, phase B could be aluminum, and phase C could be copper again. All of phase A's conductors have to be the same length. And if my raceways are different, then it could affect the length of the conductors that are inside of the raceway. So that's why we try to keep them all close proximity together as you can. Uh, Let's see what else we have here. Oh, Mike, the app. Go to the website, and you'll see the link at the website. It's a Wix app, but it's it's tied to us because everything I do is with Wix. 
Um, I love their platform, their, their ease of operation for website design. Years ago, I used to create the HTML, and what a headache that was. Now it's so much easier to do it through Wix. Um, but go there. You'll see the app. It'll be a download link that's there, and you just click on it, and you can download it. And it should give you everything you need to download it. Mm, let's see here. Oh, I'm sorry, I know. Let me read it here. It says, if the, if the name of the EGC was changed to equipment, but no, it's not going to happen, unknown one. Okay? It's not going to happen. They've tried it for two cycles. I'm on ground. I'm on code making panel five. We are so used to, we know what an equipment grounding conductor is. It serves a bonding function as well, but it's, it's, it's I am sure that people will submit it again. And I'm sure the gentleman down in Florida will submit it again. Uh, not the gentleman on here from Florida, but most people know who I'm talking about. Uh, it's just not going to make it. It's not enough support on code making five, and nobody's made a good enough argument to change. Um, do I think it would be easier? I don't know, be honest with you. I, because, be honest with you, if I call it equipment bonding jump conductor, it still has a grounding function because it ties everything back to the source or back to the service, which ultimately is tied to ground anyway. So once we change it to equipment bonding conductor, uh, which does serve that role, somebody will then complain that it's really connects to the earth, so it should be a grounding conductor as well. So, and that's always been our argument on code making panel five. Is it worth the change? We've been teaching equipment grounding conductor for years. Is it worth And nobody so far has submitted enough compelling information uh, to get us to change. I'm not saying to be wrong. I mean, as long as it does the function, it'd be fine. But there's not been so far enough compelling reason to change. For those that struggle with the EGC being a bonding conductor as well, then yes, it will help those people, definitely. Uh, but at the end of, end of the thing, I spent a lot of time uh, in our grounding and bonding book that was put out by Cengage, shameless plug again. Um, uh, that book spends a lot of time defining the role of an equipment grounding conductor. And of course, we got an informational note under the definition of equipment grounding conductor that reminds people that it is bonding. So if we flipped it, don't you think that there's a possibility that somebody would want to now have an informational note saying that it also does grounding as well? So bonding ties everything together, but grounding helps establish the reference point when we're doing measurements or stabilizes the voltage. So six of one and half a dozen of the other. Teach people that equipment grounding conductors serve multiple purposes, and I think we'll, we'll, all, we'll all be okay. But never say never. I'm sure somebody will submit it to Code Making Panel 5 again for the 2023, and we will look at it again. So, it, you know, it could happen. Uh the 2017 cycle, it was it shot down. It, it it wasn't argued well. 2020, it was shot down again. Um, I, I'm sure that it was submitted in 2014 and it was shot down. I don't remember. I wasn't on five at that time, so um, I'm sure it will probably again. But uh, no, definitely, I encourage you if you can if you can submit something that will convince the code panel five, um, then hey. You convince me, I'll be your advocate. I'm, I'm, I sit on Code Panel Five. I'm a, I'm a principal on Code. I'm the one of the voting members of Code Making Panel Five. Um, so, 
I'm more than happy to listen. What I don't want to do is cause more confusion by creating it, changing the definition, and now we still have to have add notes to make people aware, informational notes, aware of what it does. Uh, I think it's not broke. Don't fix it. Just my opinion. Uh, yes, thank you, Kevin. Yep, go to electricalcodeacademy.net or electricalcodeacademy.org, electricalcodeacademy.com, or go to masterthenec.com. Either one of them right there at the top. Boom, you can get it. Now, here's the other thing. If you want the app for Electrician Live, then go over to electricianlive.com and you can get the app there. There are two different apps. I should have probably said that. The Master the NEC is for those that are students, right? The um, Electrician Live is for those that want to stay in touch because of the show, right? So two different ones. They both can go on your phone. I've got all of them on mine, but, you know, it's two different things. Doug Banks, in a project we ran eight sets uh, on the two top rows, but... But the EE for the project stated due to calculations, we must have the four middles uh, as spares. He might have been getting spacing. Now, what you have in the National Electrical Code, and I'll actually show you. Uh, first things first, a duck bank typically is 2,001 volts and higher. Even though you put raceways in the ground for 600 volt applications and less, people want to refer to those as duck banks. I refer to those as conduits in the earth. Okay? That's how I refer to them. There was a change in the 2020 code that separated the medium voltage, 2001 and higher, up to 35,000, and moved it into Article 311. In the 2017 code, it's all lumped together in 310, which was confusing for people because immediately it goes from normal conductors and normal voltages. All of a sudden, it jumps into these duct banks, which were dealing with applications of 2001 and higher. So if it was a duct bank because of the RTO, round, the ground, the, the electrical engineer might be right as far as him spacing. And it might be also that he did this because he doesn't want what's called mutual heating from the other uh, uh, raceways that are near it. Now, are they still all together? Yes. Okay. So they're all still being run together. They're just running in a duct bank configuration. And that's the engineer's call, and they can do that. But what I wanted to show the code kind of let you see what I was talking about is down here in uh, when you get to 310 what has changed in the code is oh let me go back so you see these configurations right here there's different you know the spacing this is an extra one here no for significant reason this is just a three you wouldn't do a three in a triangle so you'd do a four because this is all spacing configuration um, but you'll notice that these tables here um, all of this type of stuff is dealing with 310.60. So you see here, electrical duct banks, all of them dealing with these are dealing typically in applications where you're dealing with uh, the duct banks are going to have something to do with 2001 volts and higher because you get down and you start looking at these tables. And they're not all cases, but there are applications where the duct banks come into play. And that's what you're, you're dealing with down here. Okay. So here, 2001 to 5,000, 2001, and there, uh, here's, again, 2001, here's 5,001 to 15,000. So all of these tables, which are referencing these different types of duct banks, 
okay, and ap applications, all right? So we made a clarity when it comes to the, the 2020 code, and we moved all of those duck banks into 311, okay? And I could show you that just to kind of give you that, you know, that idea. That might be an engineer's design, but if you go in 310, for example, I'm just going to, I just want to show you folks, and I'll do it in my hard, you see that it, it's not in here, you can't see, but when you get over to 311, and I should have bought it up on the screen, when you get to 311, here is where you start getting all of the extra stuff, and hold on, let me show you. So you got 311s dealing with medium voltage, and it talks about duct banks, and you've got all these tables, and let's see here, just kind of scrolling through all these tables, and then of course you've got the the. Oh, you got you can't see that because of my studio lights. Configuration, anyway, take my word for it. And three eleven, all of that moved over to that. So basically, I've been teaching that for years, and people have been going, "What? What, Paul? What are you talking about?" Raceways underground are just raceways underground. Dug banks are usually something to do with if there's spacing requirements and all that sizing. That's typically, to, in my opinion, that's 311 because that's a reference that the NEC gives you about duct banks. If you're installing them in the ground and you're putting them in stack format, then you're just doing that because you're trying to keep all the characteristics the same. And then when I do that, when I'm dealing with under 2,000 volts, notably 600 volt systems generally, uh, then what I'm truly trying to do is take into account the ambient temperature that they might be installed in. And I do any adjustment and correction just like I would do any other time. Don't make it complicated. Okay? And that's why we moved it out of 310 into 311 so it could be specifically. You won't see a reference to all that in 310 anymore. Okay? So if an engineer is doing a regular 600-volt system, they're free to design the duct bank however they want to do that. Maybe they're sizing it or moving them towards the outside because they're worried about mutual heating from the others, uh, bundling or a number of current, whatever they're doing, that's their design, okay? I don't know if I answered that for you, Alex, but uh, there's a reason why we moved the configuration in the reference to duck banks into 311 and out of 310 for the 2020 code for clarity, okay? I don't know if that answered your question or not. I tell people more often than not when you're putting raceways underground and they're regular raceways, you know, 480 volts, 600 volts uh, systems or less, um, just treat them like you would anywhere else. Know your ambient temperature, know the number of current current conductors, all those type of things. So when he spaced them out, he could have really been doing it because of the number of current current conductors and spacing. They're still grouped together. They're still in the same setup, but... They're, they're spaced out a little bit, okay? It could be the reason he did that. Engineers do some weird things, uh, and they also a lot of times will use specific software like ETAP and the configuration, and they'll move the raceways around in the configuration of the, of, of the setup uh, in order to get the, optimize the, the temperatures and things like that because they don't have mutual heating, okay? Any other questions? But yeah, you're welcome, Alex. And there was a distinct reason we moved those references to duck banks out of 310 for the 2020 for clarity. 
Just remember, if I run a bunch of raceways together above above ground, the only difference is the ambient temperature that I'm running them in. Does it change when I run them in the ground? Now, when I'm running higher voltages, then there is a bigger concern, and usually that's done through a software, and that's going to optimize the placement in the software and the configuration designs for the figures that are inside of 311 in the 2020 code. In the 2017 code, it's 310.60. And then from there, that's where you start getting into the duck bank applications. Now, for 600 volts and you want to call them duck banks in the ground, that's fine. Call them whatever you want. I call them raceways in the ground. I keep it simple. So, I'm going to assume that the stream was going all right and everybody was able to just to stream it okay and everything you know came out again we had a, a little bit of a rough start but i think that we're we're doing doing good i don't know if anybody has subscribed to the, the channel that's not already subscribed please make sure you subscribe to get notices of when we go live or when we have our shows uh, usually they'll also be streaming on our website but again i made a mistake tonight i, I made a boo-boo So it's not streaming on the website. That's my bad. Nobody else is bad. My bad. So, any rate, next time I will have it fixed, I promise you. Definitely promise. So if we don't have any other questions, I'm going to sign off tonight. And hopefully uh, you tell other people about it. Bring your questions in the future. Bring your topics. uh, And um, share it with us. Again, remember... Guys, you can call in if you want to talk. Uh, we have the, you can call in using Skype or you can use our new phone number up there. That phone number will get you straight into the show. That's the only thing it does. You call it any other time, it won't do anything. It only comes into the show. Uh, so you'll be able to call in and, and chime in on a topic. Um, we're always looking for special guests. If you know anybody that would be a good special guest uh, on a show, um, uh, don't ask me to invite uh, a, an electrical educator who I don't get along with and people know who that is because that ain't going to happen. <laughs> uh, but uh, at the end of the day, um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big supporter of all kinds of educators. But, uh, you know, just uh, you know, anybody you want on a show, certain topics, certain product, I'd like to get... Um, I'd like to get some manufacturers on here, and I'd like to put them on the hot seat and ask them some some serious questions. Um, um, I like to do a show. I like a lot of things. I want to do live streams with. I want to do explain AFCIs a little better. Uh, I want to explain uh, troubleshooting tips that I have for for some of the things that I like to do. And when harmonics, there's a t- technique you can you can determine harmonics in a commercial system using an RMS clamp on ammeter and then a non RMS that you can tell whether or not you have harmonics and to what level there's a formula. Uh, I want to teach all that good stuff coming up here. So that's why we started Electrician Live, to be able to do that. So um, the master of the NEC is still going to continue, but that's going to be more educational, even though we're sharing all these streams on that right now. Um, we had to do that simply because of the following that we have for master of the NEC. Uh, I also encourage you all to go over 
and subscribe to our Electrician Live YouTube channel. Once we get a certain number of, of members, then I can transition our Electrician Live to that platform. Right now, it's, it's not enough. So I need your support and go over and subscribe to our Electrician Live platform. It's on YouTube. Just search for Electrician Live. Or I think on my channel, there's actually a link that you can click on it. Okay. Um, Armando, appreciate it. You're most, most welcome. I enjoy helping out. AFCI's info would be great and troubleshooting for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I've learned a few things in 30 plus years of, of having to be a troubleshooter for a lot of people that couldn't figure stuff out. I still get those calls today. Uh, and that's one of the things that I do here in North Texas that I like. There's a lot of local electricians who still call me out when they have a weird situation. And rather than spend half a day on it, usually I can get there and sort it out pretty quick. I used to teach courses on meters and using meters and things like that. Okay. <laughs> Hurricane clips are useless. Well, okay, Raymond. Well, you want to know the story then? I'm going to tell you. Hurricane clips, I'm assuming, again, universally, it's the clips on the luminaires to hold them down to a suspended ceiling. Um, there's a reason for they're there. And I'll ask you, or anybody else, can you, can you answer me why you think the hurricane clips are there on the luminaire? And I'll answer the question for Raymond. I'll give Raymond my opinion. Anybody know? Let's confirm, Raymond, you're talking about the clips that, that come, many of the, uh, the, the, the troffers or the fluorescents that go in the drop ceiling. They have the little hurricane clips that, that, that hook them to the grid, right? Is that what you're referring to? I know we have a delay, so um, I'll give a, 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 you know, Raymond a little bit second to reply, uh, reply or anybody wants to reply about the hurricane clips. Now, Raymond, whether they're useless or not, whether they work or not, you know, might be true, and some of them are better than others, I can promise you, you're right. Um, but there is a distinct reason why we have them. Absolutely. Um, but even more so, the reason that people refer to them as hurricane clips is because they could probably be also referred to as Probably a better, here's a better term that maybe I'll coin a phrase and you all will start using it. Earthquake clips. So most of the time, of course, I guess hurricanes go everywhere. Earthquake, earthquake is very specific, I guess, to wherever they have earthquake or seismic. Maybe we call them seismic clips. So what you don't want to happen is, is, is that the problem is, is if you're going to have the actual grid support the luminaire, then if it's supporting luminaire and something shifts or earthquake happens or hurricane or something's moving, then it is a possibility that it can turn and fall out and fall out of the ceiling. Put stress on the wiring, could fall onto somebody. So it's there for a reason. Although, um, one, the grid has to be designed to support luminaires. Okay? Now, the code says that if it's designed and the grid is going to actually support the luminaire and it's designed for it and most grids are, then I have to secure it to the grid, whether it's rivet or hurricane clips, if you will, and I have to do that. But I could independently, the code allows me to independently support those luminaires from the ceiling. So I could have it four corners, I could have 
a luminaire that is independently supported and it is not being supported by the grid. And that's required. A lot of people like that method. If that's the case, then if the grid moves or shakes, the luminaire is not falling out of the grid. Okay? Um, so they're there to serve a purpose. Another reason that many people don't understand is this, is when a fire department goes into a building and there's a fire, they start pulling down the suspended ceiling because they don't want it to collapse onto anybody that's working there. If the luminaires were just sitting in the grid and they pulled it down, then they could arbitrarily fall out and fall onto somebody or whatnot. So when they pull the grid down, they want to pull the luminaire down with it, okay, and, and try to rip it down with it. Now, of course, there is wiring on that, but the chances are it's going to come down with good force. That's their concept. So that's another reason why they do that, okay? Uh, the code allows either way, whether you independently support them, it allows you to support it to the grid, but if you use the grid to support a luminaire, you got to secure that luminaire to the grid, okay? And the grid has to be designed for it, and it has to be secured at the perimeters. So it has to be uh, a, a really a fixed type of grid. you got to check with the manufacturer of the grid. Most of them allow uh, luminaires to be placed in it anyway. But Brayman, some of them are worthless. Really, they don't really do a whole lot. Some of them you just bend out, and that's it. But it's designed to hold it there, uh, and that's the only really purpose there. And another reason I can tell you right now is all the grid people are not always the best. I'm just saying. And it's not easy. I've tried to put in grid before. It looks like crap. Okay, so they're not all the best. Uh, But the important thing about it is sometimes you put that grid, that grid can shift a little bit. And the last thing I would want is, is the luminaire falling out, especially if it's over top of workstations. Okay, now what if the luminaire is really high? And it falls out, and it pulls that clamp on the back off of which Usually, in the back of a, a like a, a, a fluorescent luminaire, it's just a back plate that the connector and the flex will connect to. So, if that falls loose, that sucker will pop right off, and all you're holding is the wire nuts, and those will pop off, and that light will literally fall, and it could kill somebody. Okay. So, if it's not independently supported, then if the grid's going to support it, then I want to make sure that I'm actually supporting it with those some type of clip now if you don't use a hurricane clips that's fine uh there is other types of products out there to use but some of those luminaires come with the clips already in it so that's just my take on on it raymond they 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 could be useless in a lot of applications and some of them are cheaply made but that was that's kind of my understanding uh and when i worked with nemo we kind of came up sometimes with the luminaire guys that was my understanding on why we have it okay know if that helped any it doesn't change your mind because if if they're funky to work with then they might be useless i don't know if that changes any minds or not but uh there you go that's a that's the best i got on that one yeah so danny also to remind people that the, the luminaires that are supporting it the the actual luminaires if you're going to support it by the wires uh, they have to be separate. They can't, you know, they can't also be grid wires. I mean, it goes without saying. Um, but they're separate for just for the luminaire. If you choose that method, again, if your grid is designed to support a luminaire, then you can put the luminaire uh, and drop it in the grid. Uh, but you're going to have to connect it to the grid. So, 
Any other questions on that? Uh, but thank you, uh, Raymond, for that. Appreciate it. Uh, I love the questions. So I got one before we go. I'll give y'all guys a, 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 a question, see who answers this. And again, if you're coming in late and you want stickers, I mentioned it earlier in the show. Send me an email at info, I-N-F-O, at masterthenec.com, okay? And uh, send it to me, and in the subject area, put, I want my stickers. And in the body of your email, put your address and what additional sticker you want other than the podcast sticker. So if you want the Code Mafia sticker, go to our website if you want to see what those look like. They're all available on our website. Um, under the store, you can go and you see a whole list of the stickers. If you want the Code Mafia, let me know. If you want the um, Code Wizardry or Electrical Wizardry, let me know. If you want the one that says Master Electrician, let me know. If you want the one that says Journeyman, because that's what if that's what you are, you want to know. If you want the generic one that just says Electrician, let me know. And I will send them out to you. And I will send you also, I will send you also a couple of... Our pins. Uh, pins, you always got to have some pins. So I sent you some pins too. And we'll take care of. Uh, and the shipping for these are paid for by those that give donations during the Super Chat. So you can always donate. And we donated last show. So we have a little bit of money for the postage uh, for when people donate. But that's what we're doing. We're using, uh, I like to call that electricians donating for electricians. There you go. So we have that option as well. Uh, that's available for you in the future if you ever want to donate to the to the chat. Um, there's a little money symbol that should be down at the bottom, and that's what you use to donate to the show. And we use that for the again for the shipping of products that we'll send out to people. Uh, lastly, um, y'all sh- y'all probably aware of our shirts. Here's my shirt. You can't really see it. Yeah, get it up there right there. Podcast. Um, but we have, and it's on the back as well. I don't know if you can see this. Check this out. Hold on. Look at here. Look at that. That's our official podcast shirt, but we also have the ones in the Code Mafia, Code Wizard, uh, Electrical Wizardry, Master. We got one that says Master Electrician, Journeyman Electrician, Electrician, um, and uh, all kinds of different stuff on our website. We got mugs. We got phone cases with the logo on it. Share the love. Somebody that gets our stickers, I want a picture of it or video on your uh, hard hat so that I can post it on our website and stream it in one of our live chats. That would be awesome, just so we know you're wearing the stickers. Um, and the shows will get better, um, hopefully. I'm always open to topics and having conversations. Uh, remember, you can call in, okay? So that's the number across the top of the screen, or you could use Skype and call in if you want to talk to me live on the air. Um, I encourage you to call in as well. So. All right, folks. Well, there you go. Uh, I've answered about as many questions as I can. Oh, also, write your questions down. Bring them each week. We have these live shows. Bring them. I do have topics to go over, but I talk about just about anything. So, you know, anything that you might want to talk about. Stay tuned for some great shows that are going to come up with running your business. I'm also going to have a show on marketing I have literally probably done everything there is to do as an electrical contractor through the years for marketing. I get questions all the time about Angie's List, Home Advisor. Should I, my company do those home warranty things? I've done it. 
I've done it. I know the goods and the bads. Well, two of them I did it just to see what they were like because I wrote an article on it. But I've I've messed with them. And I want to share those experiences with you. Okay? Uh, Let's see here. Can GFCI receptacles be used to replace all home receptacles? Well, when you say all, um, you can use GFCI anywhere you want. So T10.8 tells you where you got to have it. And then through the code, there's different requirements like swimming pool area, you know, all those type of things um, that, that talk about where the GFCIs need to go, right? But could I use a GFCI on every receptacle or at least the first one in my string? Uh, so if I wanted to put a GFCI at the first one in my home runs and then hit all the other... Yes, I wouldn't put GFCI on every one. That's a waste of money. But if uh, many people are today, be honest with you, I know a lot of people that are actually putting a GFCI in the very first one in the circuit, or they put them in the panel. Uh, Probably cheaper to put it at the first receptacle. And they're putting it in locations where they wouldn't be required to have it. And you're perfectly okay to do that if you want. It's not going to hurt anything. In fact, it just raises the level of safety even more. So we have certain areas where you're required to have the GFCI, but there's a required other places. It's optional, but nothing in the code says that you you, you can you, that you can't unless if you want to go for it. And as long as one is available for the different, uh, you know, the ampacity values that you're that you're talking about. And in fact, in the 2020 code, we are expanding the requirements for GFCIs as well. Even in those areas that require GFCI, but you know we, we're ex- expanding the the um, the voltage rating on the GFCI. So you're going to see the 15 and 20 amp application under the uh, 210.8A for res- dwellings. You're going to see the 15 or 20 amp application disappear, uh, for, for and it's going to be very much driven uh, on on the voltage and the overall ampacity. So. A lot of those changes, uh, but to answer your question, yes, you, you could generally use generally receptacles anywhere you want. I wouldn't put them in every one of them. I'd put them at the first one. It protects everything downstream, and you're good to go. You're welcome. Hopefully I answered that question for you. Any other questions? I'll go, to, I'll go for three-hour stream. We've been doing this two hours and 56 minutes, or at least I have, and I'll end it here at, at three hours. Um, but if you, unless I get a, a pressing question that comes up um, about our courses, our program, anything you want to ask me. People have asked me before in other private chats, do I answer personal questions? Absolutely. Um, again, I just finished, we just finished three books, so people ask where I get the time, but uh, my wife will tell you I'm very much head into the business. Sadly, you can't get that back the time you lose. But she knows this is what I do. And uh, for all of you out there that thank me, really you need to thank my wife because she allows me to do all this. Best thing that ever happened to me. Um, but she uh, lets me do all this stuff. So um, and she encourages me to, to, to write the books and write the articles. Uh, we also have a newsletter about the code changes. I, I never mentioned that. We have a newsletter that's a subscription-based newsletter that's available on our website. Uh, on uh, masterthenec.com that I talk about every month I send out the newsletter. It's it's not free. You have to pay for the newsletter. 
but I talk about anywhere between five to seven code changes, and we're working from the very beginning all the way through the end. So it's a progressive process, and we're on the, I've done six episodes so far. So we're all the way up into 2.30 right now doing services. So um, you can subscribe to that if you're interested in the changes to 2020. Uh, you can take all the episodes, and it's almost like you're getting a book when it's all done. Because that with the subscription is really going to be a book at the end. Um, I signed a deal with King Royal Publishing, and I get to sell the, the, the monthly subscription uh, and then once at the end of the, the contract, they're going to put it together in a book to publish and they're going to charge for the book. So they get the rights to the book when we're done. I get the rights to the issues that I write now. So that's available on our website. If you're interested in 2020 changes, it is out there and you can subscribe to it. If you subscribe now, I'll send you all the back issues. Okay, so you you know you have all the back. So you actually get, you actually get more than a year. Because you're going to get all the ones that up to this point. That type of thing. Anyway. Uh, question. Oh, Danny says, I was wondering why bathrooms haven't been added to ASCI requirements unless it changed in the 2020. Well, it actually, if you look in the 2020, Danny, in 20, and uh, there's a couple places that it did not change. And we almost had it go everywhere. In the 2020, it was a big, big, big debate. But if you look in the actual 210.12, you'll see here, and I'm going to read it to you, is that it says kitchens, family rooms, dining rooms, living rooms, parlors, libraries, dens, bedrooms, sunrooms, recreation rooms, closets, hallways, laundry areas, and similar rooms or areas shall be protected by any of the following means and it blah, 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 down the list. So there was an effort to do that, Danny, and it, it actually did, it, it got shot down at the last minute uh, at the NITMAMS. The NITMAMS is the, is the, uh, the uh, notice of intent to, for motion, to make, notice of intent, notice of intent, Notice of an notice of intent to make a motion, something like that. Yeah, so it was failed right there, and that was the last minute, and that was actually down in um, um, San Antonio, but it almost got to go everywhere. Okay, the biggest controversial change when it comes to GFCIs that I don't like in the twenty twenty. Let me back back. I shouldn't say I don't like. The biggest change that had happened was. In the basements, it used to be if it's an unfinished basement, then you GFCI it. Now it's all receptacles in a basement, regardless of whether or not it's finished or unfinished, because they said basements could flood. So, I mean, my argument is, what's next? Here in Texas, we, we a couple of years ago we got real bad floods. So, do you want me to GFCI my living room now because I have a slab and it could flood? Basements that are designed as basements today are treated. Not to flood. That doesn't mean they might, but they're treated. To. So at the end of the day, that change was going to require all receptacles in a basement to now be GFCI protected. So that you know that was a change that was significant for the 2020 code that you have to all be aware of. And there's a couple other big changes when it comes to services and. The six disconnect rule change again. You can't have a main panel with six breakers in it anymore. 
You can have six individual enclosures, but you can't have one main panel, which were very common for us to bring in and hit a bus bar, a main lug only, and then have six individual breakers under the six disconnect rule, right? Uh, that's gone for 2020. You can't do that anymore. Um, you can have uh, switch gear with individual sections, and it has a main breaker in each section, and you're, you're okay. Uh, but you can't have the six disconnect rule anymore. Uh, the other big change is the emergency disconnect requirement. That has changed. And uh, now you have to have the emergency disconnect outside. Okay. Now, it might be an outside NEMA 3R panel with the main breaker anyway that could serve both as emergency disconnect and your overcurrent service disconnection mean and overcurrent device. It could, but the code does give you other options to have a meter disconnect serves that emergency disconnect, um, or it might allow some other type of disconnect that is SUSE rated that's suitable for use of service equipment could be out there as well. So you have some more options uh, now, but now you're going to have to in the 2020 Got to have an emergency disconnect. That only applies to one and two family dwellings, by the way. Not a commercial building. Okay. I think that's it. I'm not seeing any other questions. Anything else on here? I thank you all for coming and chiming in to the show. Hopefully you got something out of it. You enjoyed it. Didn't think it was a colossus waste of your time. Hopefully you uh, got something out of it. I appreciate you all for taking the time to come and, and, uh, and do this with me. So I guess without further ado, we're going to go on in uh, in this stream. But again, thank you all, and I appreciate you all very, very much. Till next time, folks, stay safe. God bless. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul 